Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's been a big week in gaming. I'm Intergot for episode 16 on Sunday, the 1st of November. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, the number one Xbox RPG player in the Southern Hemisphere, Sweeney Costello. For uh, and RPG, this week, thank you. <laughs> and this week we'll be uh, chatting about Cyberpunk 2077 being delayed yet again. Nintendo dropping another direct surprise on us. And a special review of a game that I played this week that I think will clue you in, Swinny. And I'll just, uh, <laughs> before we get into it, as we always do, let's let's get into corrections. There's more corrections on Kingdoms of Amalur. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it keeps coming up. I love it. So this is just something I randomly kind of thought of <laughs> this week. And I'm like, you know what? Even though I talked about this about six weeks ago i'm gonna correct myself if someone <laughs> happens to like binge listen to all our podcasts i love it and like it's like oh man you know i'm so annoyed about this you know i'm gonna catch them out now um so the i mentioned that kingdoms of amalur on xbox 360 had an online pass that actually blocked a quest line and an achievement related mm. to it i actually um, remember you said because i asked you about it i'm like how, how exactly is how can you even allowed to do that yeah and i I've realized and kind of, and then just researched a bit more um, that I was incorrect and it didn't block an achievement, but it did block a significant quest line and the whole arena part of the game. So I just wanted to correct myself oh. considering how, um, you know, your, how, your how much. Well, also, yeah, like <laughs> I, I, I come from a, you know, position of uh, knowledge about that stuff. So I should correct myself when I get it wrong. So. Yeah, I, I like to think that where we, the operation that we run here, it's like an old school newspaper that if you get something wrong, put an editorial correction in prominently. I'm, care about I'm going to I'm going to like constantly look f- and try to think of things that I have to correct myself and and try to extend like the time between the correction and the original mistake, and then maybe at some <laughs> point I'll be able to correct myself like twelve months and uh, down the line. <laughs> it could it could happen. You know, we could look at it in the future and go, oh, we've misspelled Amala. Oh no, sorry, not Amala Kingdoms. That would be funny if we misspelled Amalur as well. <laughs> so, can I just say, this week has been huge for a number of reasons. So, mm. not only do we have a ton to talk about, yeah, um, lots of news. So, it's probably the biggest big week we've had in a while. Um, I This week has almost rekindled my love of video games for Whoa. various reasons. Whoa. Um, I am so pumped about what's coming down the line and i just have to talk about it like i I just i've been waiting for the podcast hit. i'm like oh man i really want to talk about this stuff um because the stuff i'm about to mention i'm going to like quickly go through we're not talking about it as topics yeah first of all this the big new slice of demon souls remake gameplay that they showed dude that looks so good (laughs) oh it's amazing and i'm like there's still part of me that's like okay but i'm still not a fan of the camera it looks good and then I, le- I learned that apparently Bluepoint, who are the best developer I've never played a game by, um, <laughs> have, way to frame it. have put in like an option to make the camera like Swinny the original mode. game. Swinny mode or like from software mode, which is amazing. Like whatever develop- what other developer would do go to that length to kind of give people both the options? That's amazing. So that's that's the only thing about the whole game that kind of I was uneasy about, and the fact that I can't play it for a, a very long amount of time. But um, yeah, like it's it's a funny one because you know uh, I think you will get an Xbox Series X 
in the next three months. That's my guess, right? But for me, like, I'm not going to get either console at this stage. But Demon's Souls is the one game, probably with Astrobot as well. But that's more just like a demo. But Demon's Souls, having looked at that, I'm like, wow, that just looks... It looks insane. It has an insane price tag along with it as well, though. <laughs> that's okay, one how thing. about this, all right? If they announce that they're doing a remaster of Bloodborne that runs at 60 frames a second on PS5 and, like, up and everything, yeah. I'll get a PS5. Oh, whoa. <laughs> whoa, dude. Really? Yes. Well, you All know right, that's so rumoured, that, that, right? That's rumoured. Yeah, so that's the first thing that is, like, non, non-topic non that, that has made me pumped. The second Damn. is, and this is a small one, from Software, again, they tweet about Elden Ring. I know, I saw that. Oh, Elden Ring. I like, wanted to bring it is, up if you hadn't that, seen it. <laughs> that is the, like, I just, that line from the trailer is just the biggest meme for Elden Ring. So, oh, Elden Ring. <laughs> um, that's another one. Third, and this is very obviously me specific. Um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla is about to come out. And yeah, I have learnt, and I'm, right after this podcast, I'm going to run down to JB Hi-Fi because they're actually open now in Melbourne because we can go to shops again. And I'm going to pre-order me a bloody steelbook because I've got oh. a steelbook version and I love me a good steelbook. So that's made me even more pumped. That's number three. <laughs> number four, Monster Hunter Rise gameplay. They released a good chunk of gameplay um, showing off the greatsword uh, weapon style. That game looks absolutely fantastic. Monster Hunter Rise, man, they've done a great job with that. I cannot wait for that. That's number four. Number five of six, there's only six. Number five is I've been playing Vesperia. That's like comfort food to me, so it makes me very happy. Number six, <laughs> I've I've been playing Solitarica on my phone. So, you know, last week I gave my swim impressions of uh, the Solitaire Conspiracy and I said, I'm going to check out Regency Solitaire and Solitarica as these kind of Solitaire adjacent games that are like have fleshed out mechanics and things like that. And I'm loving Solitarica way more than I did Solitaire Conspiracy. And it's just great. It's like a roguelike. It came out four years ago. It's not a new game. But um, it's really, really fun. And the great part about it is you can just, it's a free game, but you can just pay one a one-time fee of like four or five bucks. And then it removes all the junky elements oh, from the game. That's so, so good. That, I, I, you know, I know, you know, and I'm more of a business person than anything else, but, you know, games that do that, it's not profitable. I know why they don't do it, but... I love when they have that option. Like I'm, oh. I always go in for remove ads, do all that kind of stuff. If it's a game that I enjoy, and I, and I, the, I find, I'm happy with that as a business model. And I was so I because I'd heard about this game for a long period of time. I was so confident in this game that I did it outright. So I didn't even get to see what was in the game without that. Oh, so <laughs> yeah, I just said, "Oh, bugger, I'm going to put just four know, or five dollars yeah. in and." Yeah, it's basically like you do runs um, and you, it's like, it's a roguelite in the sense that you do runs, you gain coins and and purchase things. And then when you die, you lose it all. But there's a little bit of persistent upgrades you can do with some uh, like in-game currency that I reckon that in-game currency is probably what would have been linked to the the free play version. So um, those six things, like especially the, the first few, man, has made me pumped. Absolutely pumped. Um, I was like, and these are the six things we're not going to talk about because there's all this exactly. other stuff to talk about. And, and like, we've got new consoles coming out. It's kind of like, it's so weird to think of everything going on in the world that 
we have the next generation of consoles coming out within the next fortnight. That's mm. crazy. That is I have crazy. to say, like, I and I, I'll play Fortnite as well. I tip my fedora to um, Microsoft and Sony that they were able to get them out this year and on time, really. Um, it, it's quite astonishing, actually, to be perfectly frank. It's such a huge business effort. It, I, I'd imagine there would have been a lot of discussions and, and, you know, the fact that they didn't talk about pricing and a few, like a lot of the details didn't come out. I think they were both playing a bit of a game of chicken to see if one of them was going to delay the console and then maybe both would delay them. Um, and I must admit, like if we were doing this podcast like a year ago or like, you know, just say in March when the pandemic started, I, you know, my gut feel was there's no way in hell they were going to come out in November. It would have been March 2021 at the earliest. So super impressive effort from from both of them. Um, and it's 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 exciting. Like there's a lot of hype about both consoles. And yes, there is a bit of that classic you know that we all love console wars going on i mean we still have console wars from the 90s people still attack me i think in particular talking about nintendo being dominant in australia it's just like i don't care like yeah maybe see you know uh the mega drive was the biggest console i don't maybe it was i don't know um but yeah it's just funny how there is still that element of people getting a bit nuts about that but um first off before i sort of you know because it has been a big week for me as well around gaming big week in gaming um congrats that you're uh able to leave the house again and and go about (laughs) your business that's huge it was like 112 days or something wasn't it some crazy number yeah it's honestly because i've kind of been self-isolating since september before the pandemic was even a thing uh, because just for various reasons i've been staying at home and The thing that I missed the most was just being able to just walk into like a department store to go buy some clothes. You know, things I don't usually like to get online, and I'm just so happy. And I can finally get a haircut after like five months. I'm just like, oh man, finally do some normal stuff again. Yeah, it, it's it's really weird, but um, like I'm very private, but I actually realized I really missed out on just randomly walking around the shops. Like going through game stores, department stores. I don't know. I just walk around aimlessly with my headphones on. It's just relaxing to me for some reason. Just seeing all the different stuff that's out there. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, when it really hit, I was like, oh wow, like that was hard. And then yeah, you guys down in Melbourne were going through that for months. It's just arduous. So I'm really, really pleased. Obviously, all my family are back in Melbourne, and hopefully, um, the borders between New South Wales and Victoria come down. And then uh, my my parents can actually see my son, which is kind of crazy to think it'll be like three to three or four months old at least before they can see him, which is crazy. <laughs> what a what a weird time! But um, yeah, you guys are doing really well. Like the numbers are still staying low. Hopefully, in a couple of weeks' time, they stay that way. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah. So, other than the game that you're gonna review, well, uh, so what you've been playing anything? Or, I mean, yeah, or... I've been playing so much. Like it's been insane, actually. <laughs> like I think. Definitely since the the time we've recorded, this is the most I've played games. And it's probably the most I've played games since I got so hooked on Breath of the Wild back in like 2017, where I was just playing it like every minute spare that I had. Um, so, and, and just talking about consoles, I find it hilarious that you're erring on the side of PS5, whereas I now am erring a little bit on the side of Xbox Series X. Because the game that I reviewed 
well, I will review, I should say, is uh, Ori and the Blind Forest, Definitive Edition. Ah, nice. So, on... 100, 100%ed that this week. Um, and then I played can a bit I, of... Can I ask, was that, what platform was that on? Well, I played it through PC. Okay. You might have more Pro- questions on how I acquired <laughs> it. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Or we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> so I also played uh, Resident Evil 7. And I've always wanted to play that game. Um, and I like, I can watch a horror film. I don't, I've never like watched a horror film and sort of, oh, I can't watch this. And I'm not too bad with horror films. Like they spook me, but I like, that's the whole point of them. Man, I was playing this game for like 15 minutes late at night with headphones on and I had to stop playing. <laughs> it was man, scaring the I've... shit out of me, man. Man, watching people play that on YouTube <laughs> scares the shit out of me. It is so ominous, the tone. (laughs) So it was scaring the shit out of me. (laughs) I should stream it or something. I was like sweating, man. I was like going upstairs, saving every minute. Imagine (laughs) playing that game in VR. Yeah, I don't know how people do that. That is even another level of crazy. It's like, I was trying to explain to my wife. I'm just like, you know, because she hates horror films. She can't watch anything scary at all. And I'm like, this is just like another level. Like, I'm, I've never really played horror games since Resident Evil 1 on the PS1. You know, with the whole, like, dog breaking through. It's just not a genre that I'll, like, you know, it's not my go-to genre at all. Um, but I'll, I'll try to persevere. I'll try to persevere. It's freaking scary, though. It's awesome, though. It's just really, really cool, the tone of that game. Um, I played the first episode of Alan Wake. Um, ah, okay. Yeah, and that was cool. Like, yeah. so wait. Actually, first, first, when you say first episode, what do you mean? The the well, main you know, it's game. broken up into six episodes, like Alan Wake. Uh, yeah, but I mean, there's still a main game though. So there's what the so Alan Wake is a retail game. Yeah, and then there's some DLC episodes, but within yeah, yeah, the but... game itself, it's split up. Yeah, yeah. Within the game yeah, itself, yeah. it's very strongly yeah, yeah. split up into episodes. Yeah, okay. So that's six what I was episodes, just... from what I understand. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So I played the first episode, um, and I googled beforehand because it kind of looks a bit spooky. So I'm like, is it a horror game? Because after playing Resident Evil Seven, I'm like, I need something, you know, Halloween themed without being spooky or horror. And they're like, oh, no, it's not. They're, like people in the forums are like, oh, it's not horror. It's not scary at all. I started playing it. I'm like, there's jump scares and everything in the game. <laughs> Like, what Although, are they talking about? It's definitely not on that level, though. Like, no, I, I've played through... I've probably probably played through the first episode or close yeah. to it, um, and I kind of dropped off for whatever reasons. But um, if I can play it, then I don't consider it, like, that scary. And Because I'm scared easily by games. Like, Yeah, just, I get scared. I get yeah. definitely get scared. Um, but, look, I, I still would put a bit of horror genre on it, like, as a sub-genre. But it, it's I'd more of a thriller the- and, you know... It's got the, it's got a really cool tone. Um, I'd say it's about the same level of scary as Bioshock One. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. Where there's horror yeah, yeah. elements to it, but it's not the central. Yeah, but you can't. I, I don't understand people who are saying it's that it's not scary at all. Like that's ridiculous. Like it, it's intended to make you uneasy. Like that's literally oh, yeah, part yeah. of the the game, like itself, and the whole story trying to tell. It, it's, so you are you playing that to then lead into Control? Well, <laughs> you know how I've been like, I look, and also I haven't been shitting on Remedy. It's the publisher that I'm really annoyed about, right? But I'm super, like, Control's maybe 
top three games that I want to play. So yeah, yeah, I definitely want to play Control. Um, yeah, and we've got some news about that actually in terms of the Switch later. Uh, what else? I, I played through the Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity demo through to completion. Man, you've been busy. And I keep playing Mario's Picross, the Super Nintendo, you know, online game. And then, yeah, I play Smash with you. And then I play, I pretty much play Rocket League every day as well. Like at least, you know, three or four games. So yeah, it's been crazy this week, actually. So yeah. But yeah, do, do, you, do you see a theme in the games that I'm talking about? Not seeing it yet. Maybe. Oh, really? Maybe. Maybe I'll figure it out. What, do you want me to tell you? No, no. Why well, not? Aren't we? Aren't, isn't that? Isn't that the basis of what your review is going to be the, in the end of the episode, the last feature? No, no, no. The the review is about Ori and the Blind Forest, but I'll, I'll go into it because it's probably better okay. at the start. But so, so let me guess: you subscribe to PS Plus. <laughs> I used to be a subscriber to PS Plus. It wasn't that good of a deal. Um, so there was a really good deal in Australia for the twelve month Xbox. Is that okay? Firstly. You know that I can't pay full retail for anything. Like, I have to get a bargain. I have to get a deal somehow, right? <laughs> so that's just a part of who I am. So now, I also don't like to do the Ill- illegitimate routes. Like, people buy off, like, cdkeys.com, and they're like, oh, it's all good, it's all fine. But a lot of those keys are from, like, dodgy money. It's it's quite dodgy, that like, that, that whole space, that grey market. Um, so, yeah, I've always been keeping my eye on Xbox game pass but going through the route <gasps> the sneaky route the sneaky route which is Shock horror. get xbox gold live and then convert it to a xbox game pass ultimate subscription for a dollar right do you know about yes. this whole scam yeah yeah I, 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 like i'll just say the scam quick well not a scam it's like it's part of the mechanics of how it all works but just quickly like and i think most people know about it but i'll just say it anyway if you have a a membership to like something like Xbox Gold Live. I'm not even saying that right, am I? Um, Xbox Live Gold. Xbox Live Gold. There, yeah, I thought I was saying it wrong. So if you have a subscription and then you even do a, like a trial, like a dollar trial for Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, it will convert whatever's remaining in terms of you know your um, your contract with Xbox Live Gold to an Xbox Game Pass Ultimate status right yes so what i did was i was like okay so three years is the limit of that you can get for xbox live gold and jb was doing this crazy sale they're trying to get rid of these halo 5 xbox live gold 12 month cards and they were selling them for like 50 dollars. so i was like okay I want to go get these. So I had to like drive like to a really random JB Hi-Fi to get them. And when I got there, I'm like, do you have these? How many do you have? And he's like, oh, three. I'm like, oh, cool, cool, cool. Can I get one? Oh, no, sorry. I said, okay, how do I get them? Go to the counter, go to the counter. And I'm like, hey, I want this. And the guy came back with one. I'm like, no, 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 I want three. <laughs> and he's like, three? <laughs> he literally said three. What do you want three for? <laughs> I'm like, can I buy three? I'm just going to walk out of the store and walk back in. Otherwise... <laughs> And then he's like, all right, you can have three. So I got that. That's like 150 Australian. Then I got the, and that was actually also, by the way, I have discounted gift cards for JB Hi-Fi. So it's not 150. It was more like 140 or something like that, 135. And then, uh, yeah, the $1 thing to turn it into Xbox Game Pass. So I'm an Xbox Game Pass Ultimate member for the next three years. Welcome to the club. 
Welcome yeah. to the club. Well, so like it all worked out to be less than $4 a month in Australian dollars, right? So I'm kind of like, you know, part of it for me as well, like there's a lot of games on Xbox Game Pass. I'm always saying it. I'm like, it's a really good deal. I like it. It's the best deal in gaming. There's a lot of games there that I wouldn't necessarily buy, but I would want to play. And, you know, Alan Wake is a great example of that. Even Resident Evil 7, I wouldn't have bought that. No way. You know what's funny about Alan Wake is, I know you wouldn't want to play it on this anyway, but I've got I've got a digital code of Alan Wake that <laughs> I haven't been able to get rid of to anyone. <laughs> so I could have actually given you... I actually think I offered it to you once and you said no. <laughs> but it's for the 360 version. So obviously oh, yeah, PC no, would be Yeah, I, I want to play it on PC. Because that's the other thing as well. Like, the PC... Like, because I've got a fairly beastie PC and... Man, like I turn these games up to max settings, they look insanely good, man. Like Resident Evil Seven, Alan Wake. It like I know Alan Wake's like a ten year old game, but it's been remastered to a degree. But they do look insanely good. Like it, yeah, it, it's just it's pretty cool. So look, I, I'll see how it is. You know, Ori usually can get it for like seven dollars and twenty cents Australian. So I guess you could argue I'm slightly up this month. <laughs> <laughs> but that's on the $4 version. On the $15 version, I already look at it and I go, I'm already behind, maybe. <laughs> Unless I play Resident Evil 7 all the way through. So, um, yeah. No, I'm liking it so far. It's a bit clunky on the PC. But then, you know, and this is the whole point that you made early on, that part of it is like, you know, their strategy is just get you subscribing and then the rest will come. And there is a part of me that's like, oh, maybe I should get a Series X because I've got a whole bunch of old 360 games and... I probably could pick up some really cheap Xbox One games from the last gen that I'd want to play. And this is how they get you, dude. This is how they get you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was me this week. It was quite quite crazy, actually, from a, a um, gaming point of view. A, a big week for gaming and a big week for news. Let's yes. Yes, let's get into the news with our first story. Cyberpunk 2077. I think... If people bet money that this would get delayed again, uh, you know, it'd be very long odds, but unfortunately it has been delayed again. So this time a much, much shorter delay. So originally it was, well, you know, what had been prior to the podcast, I should say, is uh, November 19th. And now it's getting pushed back to December 10th, um, which is pretty huge, I think, because, you know, it, you know, before we get into the thoughts on it, um, you know, the, really the key reason why they're flagging this is, and, and this is pretty fair when you think about it, they are now shipping genuinely to nine different uh, systems that they're targeting. Um, I think I used to be able to reel it off, but especially now that with even the next gen, it's not just PS5 and Xbox Series X, it's also the Series S, which is a different model and a different configuration. And then, you know, you have to go all the way back to 2013 with the original Xbox One, which was a little bit underpowered, even compared to the PS4. So, yeah, it, obviously through, through their own QA, they've had a lot of challenges there. And they even flagged that themselves, the co-founders around, you know, that they had a big challenge, um, you know, shipping to the current gen and next gen and the PC and testing it all in the variations. Yeah, this game is funny, man. Like, it's keep keeps slipping and, you know... There's a lot of bad PR about this game as well. And I don't think it's going to affect the sales, of course. Um, but one thing that I did laugh at was just the one of the co-founders, Adam uh, Badowski, 
um, oh, it would be Budowski actually, um, in Polish. He, um, was in an investor meeting and they were talking about crunch and he's like, ah, it's actually not that bad. And it never was. And then unfortunately that message got leaked out to the wider public <laughs> and literally within like an hour or two, he sent this honestly groveling email out to the CDPR staff, um, saying, oh, you know, I misspoke. I'm just so stressed. And yeah, it's just like, it's a real rough time for CD Projekt Red at the moment. How, how did this news hit you when you heard it? So I'm in, I have two very mindsets about this. So the, so keep that in mind when I give my first mindset. Um, first of all, 21 days is nothing, right? From a gamer mindset. So people that are looking forward to playing this game that are like super pumped and, you know, that have been, you know, obviously looking forward to this game for what, seven years, whatever it's been since it was announced. Um, that's such a small amount of time, right? So when we talk about people sending bloody death threats and things like that, like we know that's never justified. But in this case, it's even less justified to me because that's that's literally three weeks, right? But the other mindset of me of me is, well, while I say that 21 days is nothing from a game standpoint, from a business standpoint, it's huge. And it's huge in terms of like missing like the, the launch window by a few weeks, if you know what I mean. A window, I'm talking that in terms of like the first fortnight, let's say, launch. Mm. Um, and also when we're talking about, you know, holiday um, gift purchases, Christmas and things like that. Yeah, it's massive. So it's, to me, it's this is nothing from a game standpoint. And I think that people are going to, people are going to remember this game got delayed, but when the game comes out and it ends up, you know, I, I have all the confidence this game is going to be great. Um, yeah. I think that it's going to be, that that part of it can be forgotten, but the business side is definitely affected and when we start talking about the crunch stuff i mean we we went into that topic um a few weeks ago and we've got different viewpoints on that stuff i also know when talking about statements and things um i i don't take stuff like that at face value because it kind of you also don't know the context and the tone and if people are responding to stuff and things like that i I will say i haven't read the full statement maybe that that is clear there but um that's why with that stuff as well i'm a bit like hmm Honestly, uh, you know I don't like crunch, but when we start talking about like internal statements and memos, I'm, I'm like, honestly, that's kind of it, it. I don't look too far into that if that makes sense. Mm. But when it comes to yeah, the delay, like twenty odd days, is huge from the business standpoint. But for anyone complaining that's just a gamer sitting there waiting to play this game, I mean, come on, it's three <laughs> weeks, three weeks, like it's nothing. Really, it's, it's just nothing. very like unprofessional the way they've handled this whole situation, um, and just the stacks of own, goal, own goals all the along the way. The last thing I want to say, sorry, is at least they've owned up to it a bit in terms of like they're even referencing recent statements on all the Twitter and going back and kind of saying, "Oh, well, we got that wrong and stuff." So at least they're kind of you know, I think owning up to a lot of that stuff. But anyway, sorry, continue. But like, I think the thing is, and you know, I think I said it in one of the podcasts early on, it just surprised me that, you know, it slipped so much, you know, you pretty much, I would have taken the strategies what Nintendo did, which is, hey, you know, we're going to release this on both consoles. So we're going to release this on PS5 and PS4. But the reality being, everyone knows the PS5 version is the version. That's the launch version. And it's kind of evolved into that. Like, even they're saying it themselves that the game runs awesome on next gen. You know, so it's 
reality is by the time this game comes out, it's going to be a month after the next gen launch. You know, people will slowly trickle in and get their um, consoles. And, you know, a lot of people are just going to say, hey, this is the only way you can play this game if you're not on PC. So I just, it feels very strange to me that they didn't just kind of smarten up and go, hey, why don't we just launch this as a next gen game? Um, I think that would have upset a lot of people, though. Because there's a lot of it's people how you that, it. yeah. But you got to think this this game. Oh, I still think, regardless of how well they did it, the this game is this is a seven year in development game, right? This isn't well, a game that was announced that. last it was year, like May 2012. And the the thing is that as soon as you know they, as soon as it, I guess it got reannounced, you know, like when they finally unveiled it. Mm. Um, you know, to then say, okay, well, it's only going to be on next gen. Like a lot of people don't adopt next gen right away. And not only that, we're in a situation where a lot of people aren't going to be able to get next gen consoles. So suddenly, other than having a PC, which not everyone has a PC, especially one that's going to be able to play this game that well, they wouldn't be able to play this game in any way if they didn't release it on current gen, which is the ge- which is the generation yeah. that they had kind of, you know, already committed to in a way, you know? Yeah, 100%. And... But I'm not saying don't release it on current gen. Um, and, and look, you know, a lot of these things are their own victim of their own success and then their own statements. So, I mean, it's very hard to do what I'm saying they should do because they've made statements previously that they want this to be the defining uh, genre, sorry, defining generation game. So they want this to be regarded as the greatest PS4 game, the greatest xbox one game they've said that so i, I kind of think they've already put themselves in a lot of trouble um with their framing and i mean realistically like the game was always from what i understand the original date was always the 16th of april this year which is like in a launch year and there was pushback with people around zelda go like zelda definitely got delayed zelda could have come out earlier the breath of the wild i should say it could have come out earlier on the Wii U and they paused it and waited until the Switch was ready and then launched it on the Switch, on the day one on the Switch. I just, you know, yes, there was some people who were annoyed about it, but you know what? They all bought Breath of the Wild and they probably bought it twice. You know, some crazy people bought it on Wii U and on the Switch and may not even like the game that much. Um, But yeah, I, I don't know. I just think the way they've handled it is so messy. If I was them, I would have already delayed this to late November, make it a big event. And it's kind of happened anyway, but just in a really clunky way. Um, And I'm not sure, you know, you never know. Like maybe it's something internal into the studio where people were just like, we need this game out because we're like dying here. And, you know, the more you delay it, the more you can kind of get people to work hard on it. Um, Because if it got released, you know, outside of the day one patch and the patching after that, man, there's a big slump for a lot of people after these big events. So... I, yeah. my, I've got some advice about people that are looking forward to playing this game but don't need to play it on day one is wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm going to Wait, no. 100%, because this game is going to get patches and patches and patches and you never know, especially with... This game seems super complex and yes. there's going to be game-breaking bugs. There's going to be things that potentially corrupt your save or lock you out of quests or things like that wait like unless you need to play day one wait um because yeah with this 
you know, the fact that they delayed it for three weeks um, just to get a day zero patch ready um, across multiple platforms, but still, um, there's there's going to be stuff they missed. Um, oh, yeah. They, that yeah. happened with The Witcher 3, happens with it. You know, it happens with every, every game, but it's, you know, they as much as they're above it now, you know, uh, CD Projekt have a, have a, a history in Eurojank, and uh, I'm telling you... <laughs> Apache is gonna probably end up saving you, <laughs> and and um, you know they've already stated that next year they're gonna release a big next gen patch to take full advantage as much as they can of the next gen consoles. So, you know, you're not even getting the full cream experience probably on day one with Cyberpunk 2077. It's just like if you're willing to wait, right? Like you know, if people are sending death threats. I don't think they're gonna be waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> like a day uh well, year one patch i guess you could call it so but that's definitely what i'll be doing i know it's not great for the podcast but yeah i'll be playing this game a lot later down the track and whenever um, whenever they whenever i hear about this whole death threat thing i wish there was a some kind of like mandatory um thing that you had to be qualified to be able to get access to the personal usage of the internet or something it's like <laughs> I don't know, an empathy test or something. Nah, it's just some 12-year-old it's like, kid. It's not anything. It's really. like, okay, you know, you walk past a tortoise and it's flipped upside down kind of thing. Like the Voight-Kampf test from Blade Runner, you know, to test <laughs> is someone human or not. Would they send a death threat or not over a bloody game delay? Yeah, I'd look, it's just a 12-year-old kid out there, some stupid idiot, you know, who'll think it was a bad idea later down the track. But I, I wish we didn't pay too much attention to that stuff because it's not... There's no real legs there. I, I do worry around streamers. Like I think that's a huge problem in the in the making with stalking, like online stalking. But I don't think anything's going to happen to CD. I don't think people are going to go to Poland to implement their death threat. But, yeah. Like <laughs> I don't but people, knock on wood. <laughs> but the problem is that leads to doxing. That leads to people actually contacting family members and friends of those developers. And that's oh, where I agree, but I think if you publicize it, then it just makes it bigger. It gets more oxygen. That's uh, Trolls feed off uh, attention. You know, if you don't pay them attention, they just go away. Because it's not... They need the attention. That's oxygen for them. So I think the more people talk about it... And it's not us. Like, this has been widely reported. And the, the studio themselves talked about it. I wouldn't talk about it. Like, people get death threats all the time. It's just... You don't hear about it because people understand if you start talking about it, it actually attracts people like that. But I like talking about it because I like just like talking about how stupid they are, <laughs> how <laughs> bad certain people in society can be when, when they're given essentially um, what they consider an anonymous, you know, mm. um, weapon. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, so I like calling that out. That's all. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Yeah, make me also... feel good about myself. Just don't take <laughs> that away from me. <laughs> All right, well, and let's get into um, the other big news this week. So Nintendo, again, like this whole year, they've just been really hard on the shadow drops of their Nintendo Direct Minis. And they still haven't had a Nintendo Direct itself for a long, long time now. Um, but they did flag in this Nintendo Direct Mini Partner Showcase that it's the last one for the year. I'm not sure if that means the Nintendo Direct Minis in total, because, you know, they have Nintendo Direct Minis that aren't necessarily partner showcases, but it's all a bit confusing. Um, I took this as the last partner showcase one, but that doesn't mean that they definitely have something else 
before, you know. I yeah. will think they have something, but it's probably going to be a game specific, like a Horror Warriors Direct or something like that. Yeah, I, look, I think logically, and, you know, if you look at history as well, they're not going to have any more Directs this year because it's Christmas period. So you kind of need to signal to everyone, here's the games, go out and buy them, you know, like don't wait on because you know not everyone's as fortunate fortunate as us and sometimes people are like i can get one game for the holiday season what game is it going to be so you you don't want to be hanging out for oh you know is breath of the wild 2 going to come out or anything like that you know you kind of need to be pretty clear hey these are the games you know if you want them here they are and then they'll reboot in january as they normally do um so yeah like in terms of uh the direct it was a pretty decent one so we had um, just the date for Bravely Default 2, which I still find very strange given that there's Bravely Default and then, um, oh, now I'm struggling to think of the Bravely sequel. Second. Yeah, Bravely Second. I think and that's then, what it's called. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's what it's called. And then it's Bravely Default 2. So, I mean, this is just like such a classic Japanese <laughs> RPG style of naming convention. And um, they they went a lot more into the game Um and they talked about, you know, taking feedback from a demo that they had. Mm. And while I won't say that I'm the biggest fan of the art style, I understand the approach. Um, I'm, I would be a lot more pumped for this game if I still hadn't kind of got Bravely Default and Bravely Second to play through. Because <laughs> I, I definitely want to play ones. through them first. Yeah, so yeah. I got them on 3DS. Um, so I definitely want to play through those before I hit this one. Um, but other than that, like, I... Any game that's that's a traditional, you know, turn-based JRPG kind of that is basically a spiritual successor to classic Final Fantasy titles with the whole mm. Crystal Four Heroes thing, um, like it's is great by me. And this game looks fantastic. Um, so yeah, really, really good. And I, while it has kind of it was originally originally meant to release this year, I mean, February is not that far away, so. No, it's not that far away. And it, I don't know, this is going to be odd because I played a little bit of Bravely Default on the 3DS. I actually kind of like the art style in the 3DS game more than this, even though I know it's, I know people are going to say it's the same art style, but it's just almost like the 3DS was blurry enough and muddy enough. It was sort of like, ah, oh, I kind of liked the way it looked. Whereas this, it's so crisp. The. I don't know the style, the chibi style the, sort of thing. It's just the bit... art. The art style is actually a bit different from what I've read. Mm. I didn't go and sit there and compare it myself, but reading a lot of people discussing about it, it's not like they've taken it directly. They have actually done a little, made it a bit different. Yeah. But um, it's a bit more one, cartoony. Well, like... one thing I'll say with this is that I think so. There's a game called World of Final Fantasy, um, mm. which is absolutely fantastic. If anyone uh, wants a f- it's basically Pokemon Final Fantasy, but it's hard as nails. It's one of the trickiest completions I've done in in the last few years. Um, and it's uh, that game also initially, um, the art style, when you'd see trailers, I'm like, oh, I don't like that at all. But it grows on you. And I think this would probably grow on you as well. I, mm. I just have the feeling that it's kind of initially a bit taken aback because, as you said, it's like it's really high res and everything. But yeah. then, so I think it would win you over, but I mean, I mean, people are different. People have different takes on stuff. So. You know how sometimes, you know, you, you develop an art style that fits the platform that you're on. And if you kind of just take it and go on something that's kind of, you know, a bit more high res or something, it 
I don't know, just kind of didn't work for me. Um, and then, yeah, we had No More Heroes 3, more gameplay was shown, and it was a really cool announcement that uh, No More Heroes 1 and 2 are getting ported to the Switch. I know a lot of people were keen to see that happen. Very awesome way that was presented. Um, just, you know, it, it was very kind of non-Tendo. Oh, it, man. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, everything about... Um... Ever since the first No More Heroes, and, and the thing is, I've never had a chance to play them because I didn't have a Wii at the time when that game came out, and I got a Wii later, but I didn't go and pick up a lot of the games that I should have. Yeah. Um, I wanted to play the sequel on 360, but I couldn't find it for cheap. It was, uh, I think, only released in Japan. Um, but now it's on Switch. I might, um, when they go on sale, I might pick them up. But what's interesting about No More Heroes 1 is I it's going to be super interesting to hear people's opinions on that game that have never played one because mm. when that game came out like the Wii was not a powerhouse in any way and it tried to do an open world and let's just say that people love No More Heroes 1 but they don't love it for its open, empty open world let me just no, okay. that. so I would love to see people's take on first impression of that game in the modern day but those games are all about style like Suda51 stuff um, it's just it's so that shit insane, but <laughs> yeah, it yeah. works. Um, so yeah, it's cool. And uh, No More Heroes Three looks really, really cool. So yeah, it's just like one of those games. It's very hard for me to assess whether I'd like it or not. I don't know if there's a demo for it because I'd be keen to play a demo. But it's not. It's also kind of not a game that you can really play a demo, right? Because there's so much to the game, and it's so odd. The game. Yeah, it's yeah, it's weird. That have you ever played? Did you ever play Killer Seven? No. Okay, okay. I'm just trying to think. Did you ever play Shadows of the Damned? I don't think you would have. No. Um, I'm familiar no. with what the kind of game is, but it's just I don't know if it would click with me. It's so hard to tell. Like a lot of the games, I can look at and go, yeah, yeah, I know I'll like this game or I'll have a crack. It's just one of the kind of games I'm like, I don't even know if I'd like this game at all. You know. I could always take advantage of uh, EB's policy of uh, seven-day return or something like that. I don't know. We also had, um, they showcased, um, I'm, I'm sure this was probably previously announced, but they showcased a good amount of Story Seasons, Pioneers of Olive Town. Yeah, yeah and it was the reason before, I want, yeah. yeah, the reason I wanted to mention that it's coming out in March 23rd is, honestly, I'm kind of, I'm up for playing a new Harvest Moon. Um, it's... It's kind of, it's been a long time. I have not played Harvest Moon since um, the one on GameCube. I think it was It's a Wonderful Life, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like obviously I've played through Stardew and uh, we'll get to um, uh, talking about my time at Porsche later. But basically I haven't played an actual Harvest Moon game or Story Seasons since, since the GameCube. So I have heard the remake of Friends of Mineral Town is actually really good as well. Um, yeah. and that's on switch already. So maybe I should play that one. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, this looks really cool. I just, you know, sometimes you just want to like search out comments of people that, you know, are going to be confused or like reactionary just to kind of just, I don't know, you're just interested. And I, 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 wait, I wait, can, what... I, can I guess what you're doing? Yeah. Can I, you're doing? yeah. can I guess you're, you're doing this whole stupid thing of like, <laughs> I'm smarter than everyone else where you're like. Oh, are people thinking this is a Stardew Valley clone? Because actually, <laughs> actually, they they created this and then it inspired them to make Stardew Valley. Is that what you so, is that what you're doing? Hundred percent. But the difference, is, 
replying. I just want to read <laughs> people's reactions because it's fun. It's fun <laughs> to see people like be ignorant. <laughs> ignorant, you're ignorant. Um, yeah, I, like it is weird though because you know the whole. I don't remember the whole backstory. I remember hearing it once and then I forgot it about why they can't use the Harvest name anymore. Harvest Moon name. Is it just I mean, like they're not work, working with the IP holder, right? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it was never known as Harvest Moon in Japan. Um, oh, really? Oh, I see. I didn't know that. I believe so. Um, oh. And it's, I mean, it was never known as Story Seasons. I don't think, I think there's an, an English, a Western name that they came up with huh. after they, they moved on from... Uh, from uh, the publisher, but yeah, it's it's basically like the publisher and the IP, and they've continued the Harvest Moon, the Harvest Moon series. But honestly, it, the the new Harvest Moon, like non Harvest Moon games, does that make sense? Um, mm-hmm. Look really, really cheap and and kind of crappy. Whereas Story Seasons games just they look like Harvest Moon. They look like the the original games, you know. Um, so just checking it now, it seems like it was called farm story when okay. we called it harvest moon well sorry it was called here harvest moon and then when it went to story of seasons it was called uh what is it barn store no sorry i had it uh ranch story huh. in japanese okay. so yeah it's kind of like it's much clearer i think anyway when you look at it yeah. why did they change the name i'm actually now confused again because it seems like it's the same developer and publisher uh no it's definitely there was definitely a publisher there was a there's a story out there that you know we don't really have time to go into about um yeah they lost the rights because harvest moon has continued as its own separate thing Um, oh has it i didn't know that yeah yeah so there are three ds games but i didn't realize there's any other coming out so there are new harvest moon games but story seasons are the original harvest moon yes 100 percent there's Harvest Moon games, newer Harvest Moon games since Story More Seasons. More than 3DS. Well, yeah, but Story Seasons was already around at that point. Mm, okay. Yeah. No, 100%. Like, it's different, <laughs> not the original okay. developers. Yeah, I, I oh. know that for a fact. Um, but <laughs> I just don't know the last fake Harvest Moon, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah, like yeah. who developed it and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like the timeline of that, like, but Story Seasons is the continuation of that series. So. Yeah, yeah, anyway, definitely, definitely. Enough about Story Seasons. I wanted to talk about very quickly. Mm. Um, I've typoed it here. Is Immortal yeah, no, Feeders no, no. Rising? Um, it's the worst name. It's the worst name. I know they can't do the gods and monsters thing, but this Immortal Phoenix Rising is just such a bad name. Oh, it's a bad name. Um, <laughs> I'm still looking forward to playing this game, but I'm definitely mm. not looking forward to playing it on the Nintendo Switch because <laughs> it looks like it runs like absolute crap. Um, so that's why I wanted to just quickly mention it is that they did the right thing. They showed the actual Switch gameplay, um, but it did not do it in any favours. No. If, you, if you talk about a game that would have been ripe to for cloud streaming, which we'll get to in a second, that mm. would have been one of them. Um, so it's, yeah, it, that game, I, I hope it still plays. It probably still plays okay, but it looks like it runs really rough. Um, so if, you, if you've if you got multi-platforms, uh, play that on something else unless you really want it portable. But I mean, you know, when you said that it looks rough, you know, it should be a cloud game. I mean, like the game is riffing off breath of the wild so it's kind of like 
it's, it's not like it can't look good. It's just like they haven't put the effort in, which I understand from a business perspective. It's riffing off of it, but we've talked about before. People forget that it's riffing off Assassin's Creed way more than Breath of the Wild. Um, sure, there's sure, elements sure, of Breath true. of the Wild 100%. Um, but like when people start talking about, oh, it's got climbing, it's like, oh, come on. Assassin's Creed, come on! Like, You're like, come on. actually, actually, Assassin's <laughs> no, Creed had climbing. That isn't it. Actually, that's like, dude, come on! Like, <laughs> well, I, I'll just say this quickly because we're not going to cover everything in the direct. But there was a few games, man. They look choppy as hell in the actual direct. Tropico, so, like, also, Tropico looks, yeah, rough. Tropico Six. Oh my god! I mean, that's a that's a like a management like a not an RTS, but like yeah, a, dude, you know, but, like it was. It was dropping frames in the trailer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, but, what? <laughs> but it was the wrong, like, I think, like, the way you show that game is you show it actually with the HUD. You show it, like, looking like yeah. what you play the game rather than, like, this cinematic thing that just looks rough. Oh, it was, and it was the weirdest trailer. It was a very odd trailer. Like, I kind of dozed off in that one. The Tropical so, yeah. games are really kind of weird, though. Um, Immortal like, Phoenix Rising, it's... It's so dumb. The way they're presenting it and the name and everything turns me off the game. I actually think I wouldn't mind the game. So I, I, I want to give it a crack sometime. Um, yeah. But it's just the whole presentation, the name, everything just doesn't click with me at all. So yeah. And, so and did they, you want to jump into like, because there's two big ones, right? There's either the cloud stuff, as you alluded to. Do you want to go into that first or do you want to go into the big game for Nintendo this quarter? Well, I don't think this is big news, but you can talk about it now. The the Hyrule Warriors demo. Yeah, yeah. So there's more information about Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. So I have this game on pre-order, but it'll be a Christmas kind of game. Um, And I'm still getting through Hyrule Warriors, the first one. Um, Yeah, so did you download the demo? Uh, No. Okay. (laughs) So I downloaded the demo. Did you think it? Would you expect me to download it? Yeah, why not? Why not? Um, well, hmm. anyway. I don't know why you wouldn't. Well, I don't. Um, I haven't even played through Breath of the Wild. So why would I care about this game at this point? Yeah, but this. The, the, okay, so that's a great segue. This game is like really interesting. Like I'm, I'm still pumped for this game. And playing through the whole demo. It was very generous, the demo. Like I'm not that good of a gamer, but... I was playing through it all. It was probably like an hour, an hour and a half. And I captured all the footage from it, but it was like a decent demo. Like I was, you know, with the old school demos, they like, they stop you halfway through and it's like, ah, so annoying. I was just like, are they going to let me play another like level? I'm like, all right. (laughs) And it was like, you know, three main, like, uh, sorry, two main battles that they made you play. And each one can be like 20, 30 minutes, depending on how you play it. And then like two challenge areas and, just get gets you a sense of how the game's going to work. The game is like really interesting to me because uh, it's such a weird one. It, it, it's so obvious, like you probably should play Breath of the Wild before playing this game. Yeah, you know, and I know when I say that, it kind of seems to go without saying by saying that, but it's also like so different to Breath of the Wild. And man, this game is so super jank. Like I actually think this game's jankier than. Hyrule Warriors, which everyone, when they were talking about it, was like, oh, Hyrule Warriors, it's so much better than Fire Emblem Warriors. And these are all like the Switch ones that I'm talking about. But this game, when I was playing it, and I played a bit of Hyrule Warriors, Age of Calamity, the demo, man, it was like really dropping frames all the time. That's what I was going to ask, because Jank, to me, 
is less about performance and janks, more about yeah. okay, low textures, it's not buggy, that, it's not glitchy. That. No, the the one is that you know because it tries to use the Breath of the Wild mechanics, and I know you're not a fan of the game, and we'll have a special episode on it eventually covering the game. <laughs> we'll just dedicate to that game talking about it, but um, and we can always point to that episode, <laughs> um, but you know. Like it tries to take those mechanics, but those mechanics, and you know, Nintendo, one thing you will say about first party Nintendo games, the way they control, it's very refined. Like they spend a lot of time on it. And, you know, in Breath of the Wild, it's so seamless the way you move and the movement options and all that stuff. And they've taken them, but it's like, it honestly is like a fan made version of it. It's like a mod or something. And, like, you do these things where you'd, like, jump off the walls, but it's so janky. It's, like, you're clipping through things. It's all over the place. You, It just doesn't work at all. It's, like, it, it it's weirdly charming, though, ultimately. <laughs> That's you, why I'm still keen on the game. Do like, you get the impression so that this game was rushed? Um, or do you think that would have just been like that regardless? The thing is, you just got to look through the Muso, you know, Dynasty Warriors history. I mean, the games are pretty janky games. Hmm. So, like, and they all, like, they run poorly on every platform they're on. I know, yeah, I get it. Like, there's literally 50, 100 enemies on the screen. So, you know, you probably expect it to run poorly, but I don't know. I'm not sure, dude. Like, maybe not because it's not any less janky, really, than other Muso games, but. To me, my experience, it's a little bit jankier than Hyrule Warriors, which is pretty amazing. And you never know, man. This demo, they might have cut the demo like a month ago and got it up and running and everything like that. And the game's improved a lot since then, hopefully. Um, but I'm still picking it up. I'm still uh, interested in it. You know, because it is a bit of a... You know, the games are so relaxing to me because it's just like smashing, mashing buttons and, you know, literally thousands of enemies dying. And, you know, it's got this funny, like, um, story to it. And, you know, more Breath of the Wild story. I'm keen on that. I will say, spoiler alert, if you haven't played the demo. And, I mean, this is revealed straight away. But, you know, there was, a, like, a little, you know, robot on the cover. And everyone's like, what is this robot thing? And I actually don't recall the name of it. But it's actually a guardian. And this is so funny to me. It's a guardian from the future. So, it's almost <laughs> like... Uh, terminator timeline plot like literally this guardian is sent from the future to protect princess zelda that's the story of this game <laughs> like on top of you know the breath of the wild story it's going yeah, to tell with a calamity but i mean like time time travel is not a new thing in zelda so no i know i know but like is it like literally like a terminator style a robot is sent from the future to the past no, to protect this girl <laughs> like it's like whoa this is so weird so can um, i give give my take on what i've seen of this game yeah um from someone that has n- never played horror warriors um yeah. played a little bit of Dynasty warriors here and there um and has not completed breath of the wild so and with- and you're a known hater of breath of the wild hate is a strong word a known disliker um, you take pleasure in disliking it. I do. I do different. take pleasure in disliking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Go so on. the when I look at this game, <laughs> yeah. Now, Horror Warriors. I know that that game is crazy. Like plays all these like ridiculous characters, ridiculous moves, but all that stuff's like non-canon, right? It's just like yeah. a love letter to Zelda. Yeah, it's characters fun. And stuff, yeah, right? it's fun. Exactly. Mash Whereas up. this this game is 
canon, isn't it? 100%. No, yeah. They worked with the Zelda team. So. Ayunuma like and everything. To me, without having played through all of Breath of the Wild, the fact that this is a Musou game and so they go crazy with the crazy moves and stuff, yeah. it's like a jump the shark moment for, <laughs> for like, it's like, it's, it's I look at it and I'm like, do the they even, no, just for like the, what Musou? the characters can do and, and I'm like, man, this doesn't feel like it's, it feels like it's, it, it's, it's, it's a Warriors game, so of course they're going to have this crazy stuff. But as soon as you make it canon in the same mm. like timeline as that as Breath of the Wild, and I guess the wider one, who knows about that? But um, it's like, man, that's when it kind of just a bit ridiculous to me. And they, it is cool that they showed all those um, oh, what are those, those giant bloody things? What are they called? Guardians. Uh, the the celestial beast things or whatever. Oh, the divine beast. Divine beast. Sorry. Um, it's cool that they showed that stuff. It looked like it ran a bit rough, but I guess it's just, it's very canned, like, gameplay sections, which is cool. But um, it's like, hmm, <laughs> it's almost like, I hope that people don't get annoyed by this game kind of, like, messing around with the canon too much. But yeah, anyway. I, I think people are really excited about it. I think it's like an odd game because, essentially, if you want to learn more about Breath of the Wild story you'll do it through this kind of almost interactive movie, which is the game. And then if you're a Musou fan, it's like, okay, it's like a new Musou game, you That's know, true. new mechanics and stuff. So it, look, like what I will say about it is like, there are definitely things that it's janky as hell compared to Breath of the Wild's mechanics, but the story and the way it was presented compared to Hyrule Warriors, Hyrule Warriors straight away felt like it wasn't a Zelda game. <laughs> like the first five minutes of playing it, I was like, this feels like a fan game. And I, I loved it. And I still love that game. And I think it's really fun. And it's just, you know, charming in its crazy, you know, poorly made in some ways. I don't want to be too offensive on that way. But this game actually did feel more like a Zelda game. It was quite odd. Like, okay, I was playing okay. it. I was like, it, it just, the combat doesn't though. That's the thing. It's like everything around it, it feels very like Zelda-like for me. It's got that vibe. And then you get into the combat and it does, it just feels like a Musou game. It's and very odd. And that's where it, and I know it. it's like that because it's, it's, it, it is a Musou game, but it's like, you know, Breath of the Wild, like your skill set, you'd, you'd be lucky to take out a couple of enemies at once. And now like Link's like taking out 50 at once in these huge swings and stuff. <laughs> anyway it's yeah it's it's odd I, like i'm actually seriously this is out of the games i'm getting and all the games coming out <laughs> you know all these games you know that are coming out demon's souls this is the game i'm looking forward to the most <laughs> and i'm just looking at my gameplay footage so we have it on youtube but um the game is so janky that it's like it's optimal to just like do these weird dashes all the time <laughs> and just looks so dumb <laughs> the way that like link moves around it's, I don't know. It's it's fun. It's it's stupid fun. Like, that's the way I just think about these Musou games. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to playing through. I, I do want to get further into Hyrule Warriors. That game, man, I get, like, a, I don't know if you use this site, but I always use um, howlongtobeat.com just to get a sense for, you know, how long games are and all that kind of stuff. And I jumped on that site with Hyrule Warriors, the first one, and there were, like, hundreds of hours to complete it. I was like, what? And, you know, having played it, I get that. Like, the amount of stuff that they give you is insane. And you know what? Like, I wouldn't mind in this game if they make it a lot shorter. Like, and it might really annoy people, but I'd like that, actually. If it's like, 
50 hours to do everything in this game. That would be perfect for me. That's all right. They'll make a Horror Warriors Age of Calamity definitive edition for them for Switch Pro or something. Oh, and beautiful segue. Beautiful segue about the performance of the Switch, what's happening with the Switch. You know, how how, how are they going to compete with next gen Nintendo? Like, what ideas do they have? You mean Sweeney? current gen? <laughs> <laughs> nice nice touche but definitely next gen hey like that's 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 another level so what did they reveal in the american version of the direct so i watched the australian one and i didn't see this stuff until after a game oh out. really okay so I they cut the it out of one. the australian version oh that so, makes sense 100 percent. yeah it does um, yeah but i didn't know about it until after and i'm like what what did i miss so and they i realized there's two minutes missing so they start off with a trailer and you're like, oh, wait, Control? This is Control? And then, yes, Control is coming to the Switch, Control Ultimate Edition, that game that's had no, uh, absolutely no um, controversy about it. Um, <laughs> exactly. But as a cloud streaming mm. game um, for the, uh, at least the US, I'm not sure, all regions, definitely not Australia. Only um, US. Only US. And I would just say before we get, uh, just to quickly cover this, in the same direct, they also announced Hitman 3 cloud version uh coming in january so control is available now um and hitman 40 us dollars so it's like 60 australian dollars it's not too bad uh i don't know how i feel about a cloud version being close to full resale price game but no uh, clearly it's worked for stadia but um no but i think if you think about the us experience right like control is selling in the us for like i'd say 50 us dollars so, and you've got the Nintendo Premium. Yeah. Whether you want to believe it or not, there's a Nintendo Premium. I know. Like they but just put extra money on it. It's like Apple. Is, if the thing is, un, like, okay, if you buy a digital game, right? Yeah. You have it installed on your system, unless there's a licensing that checks, which some, I know some platforms do, but generally, if you've got it installed, like PT, for instance, on PlayStation 3 is, um, or PlayStation 4. PlayStation 4. PlayStation yeah, 4. Yeah. Um, 4, 4, 4. Then it is. At least if the game is taken off and you can't re-download, then at least it's still there. So it's some mm. form of having it. With a cloud game, you have no option at all. And that's why it's like even it just stings a bit that it's priced that point. It's I'm not saying the game isn't worth it to play through. I'm sh- I've, I know it's a, meant to be a great game and it comes with the, all the expansions, which are pretty sizable. It's just, man, we start talking about streaming games at that price point this is what you wanted you know i've never been a huge fan like i'm very this is what i wanted what do you mean this is what i wanted when did i ever say that (laughs) you know i'm you know i've i'm more of a physical collector like i like physical games i'm always very averse to digital games for me i don't really put digital and cloud on too much of a different platform like, you know, because effectively the rights and all the way that they work are very similar between cloud and digital games. Like, I wouldn't even be shocked if um, the license agreements and the terms and conditions aren't even that different between but the two. I, know, I understand the a, perception's different, but... But from a, from a usability standpoint, though, if you have a digital game, yeah. unless it's an online game, which is the same thing, we know that, um, like a multiplayer... That I could be, uh, I could be on a train going through the tunnel and be playing Control, 
you know, oh, or, yeah, but that's or like, a different like thing. you're you not know, talking big... about that. You're not talking about that. You're talking no, about but the feeling is... of ownership and everything. No, nah, but that, to... that's not fair. That that's not fair. No, no, no. I, this is another point I'm making. Is that... sure that's a di- little bit. Let, let's just address that. That's a separate point, right? <laughs> let me continue my second point then. Okay. Is well, that's the... a separate point than what you're saying, though. Yeah, it's my second point. <laughs> Go on. My second point is that then, like you're saying that digital and and that you know, like to me, like the usability of you're paying oh, totally for something that you just are so restricted in where yeah. you can and the circumstances you can play it. And also, there's I don't know the exact details for people uh, on the full experience at the moment, but. There's queues in some of these cloud games, you know. Oh, yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, and <laughs> they would have to be. Yeah. So with the <laughs> with the demo, there was queues. Now, obviously, you're gonna have heaps of people, especially this because it's the first cloud game released in the West, and blah blah blah. Yeah. But then suddenly, there's times when you may not actually be able to play it if it's a super popular game and it's just come out, and you're like, oh man, I'm like twentieth in the queue for my region or whatever, and it's like I just have to wait. Although I would say, like, from everything I heard, um, for people who have good internet in in the States, they didn't have an issue with getting on and playing it. And and, and basically, everyone said it worked really, really well. And and I mean, I don't want to have a a told-you-so kind of moment, but even, like, last week, I was, like, saying, you know, surely Xbox is trying to woo Nintendo to get xCloud onto the Switch because... It does become a platform to quickly get next gen games and you know, games that are just so far beyond what a portable console could handle. You know, that that's a really good use case. Um and if you deeply integrate it into the system, you can potentially cut out, you know, um avenues that introduce lag into the system. Because, you know, with a phone, there's inherent lag in like the touch interface and everything you do with the phone, just you know, having coded apps before. Whereas, you know, having a switch, because you can just talk directly to the hardware itself, it does eliminate some input lag and some other sort of issues that you may have. But look, like getting back to where you're coming from, I'm not disagreeing with you. I, You know, I'm not a huge fan of digital games in the first place. Like, it's partly why it was so hard for me to go on to Game Pass, because I feel like, oh, I'm playing these games, but I don't own them and I don't, mm. you know, I won't be able to play them again in some cases. And I'm like, shit, will I have to just go buy them again? Like, that's kind of a bit stupid. But, you know, I'm treating it as a trial, like $4 a month for the potty, you know, so I can play some of the new games that are coming out. You know, it made sense to me, but I'm still, I'm, I don't know, I'm just not a big fan of digital games in general. And, and that's why I get so cranky when you can't even play the games that are on the disc. But, um, yeah. and like, that's rubbish. But, yeah, I, and- don't get it's me wrong, It's going to be good though. for people who don't have multiple consoles, dude. Like, there's some people... Like, I've literally heard on podcasts, people who are like, I've always wanted to play this game. I don't have any other po- uh, console apart from the Switch, and now I got to play it, and it's no, awesome. I like, don't that's get awesome, me wrong. Man. Like, I actually really like the idea. I'm that's I'm not against the idea of Classroom, mm. which I actually think it's a great way... You just think the price. I Yeah, the price of mm. when you start getting close to the price point um, of a retail digital... Like local. Well, I just digital. checked. I just checked. So I was wrong. In the states, Control Ultimate Edition. So like the PS4 disc version, which is the definitive version now because it's got everything on it. You don't need to install anything, uh, unlike the Xbox version. That is forty dollars US. 
So they are charging the exact same amount of money for a cloud-based game. And when you, fact, one that you and when you factor yeah. in the switch, the switch tax, which is a yeah. thing, as you said, yeah, you know, it's probably a then, little bit of a discount. Yeah, in their mind, in their mind, not in reality, yeah. but in their mind. So, but I think it's look. I love the idea, and um, I'm an idiot in that. Like, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, I'm going to jump on the sea if I can access it. Of course, I couldn't. <laughs> of course, I couldn't. And I'm like, well, no, why I was I think... even thinking that? No, you know? but I, I. Look, I actually think it's um I'm actually really surprised with the worldwide rollout of these kind of systems because you know, if I can on a personal account on Amazon web services spin up instances of my own web service around the world and that's quite reasonable for me to do, I don't think it's that hard anymore for them to do this in major locations. And I'm not expecting them to do this in Latin America or places with poorer internet infrastructure but places like australia europe you know like japan south korea you know that kind of little hub there there's no excuse really for them to not be spinning this up in those regions and again i I, i'm adamant like it takes a lot of the buzz out of it because you know it's like you're restricted you try to go on you try to do it and it doesn't work and you're like ah mentally it's like becomes a negative in your mind i reckon so you did you mention japan then Yes. So, I mean, we know that Japan has had streaming games on the Switch in the past. I don't know if they're still available. I'd assume so. They are, but that was different games and a different provider. Dif- different games, is. different providers. But yeah. um, the reason I, I kind of want to mention it is that um, some outlets have been good about pointing that out, but it's surprising the amount of people that kind of just haven't done their research about that as well. Mm. Because I remember hearing about this and thinking, Oh man, that's crazy! They're doing this stuff. Um, I wonder, you know, when they'll start doing this thing, this over here. But uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting. So it wouldn't surprise me if RE7 and Assassin's Creed Odyssey do make their way here. Now that it seems like Nintendo's kind of like the doors have been open, if that makes sense. Um, and yeah. we know that there's apparently been a data mine that's apparently unveiled Resident Evil 3 remake cloud version as well. Are so. you being sensitive? Because I hate, like, <laughs> rumors. This, and... this one out of... This one, <laughs> this one seems real. This one's pretty, real. pretty real, yeah. 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 So yeah, yeah. I agree. With, I agree. with one of the worst box art, like, version where they just added it's actually a sort of comment it's like hey hey i remade the logo for you in, in like two minutes and it looks way better <laughs> come on yeah um it, look this whole streaming thing is super inevitable i think there's certain games it's going to work so well for and i think a game like resident evil 7 games that aren't like twitchy I think that'll be fine. I think even Assassin's Creed Odyssey, if you've got a really good internet connection and you can, you know, like for me, when I play Rocket League, my ping is like nine or eight. Like it's nothing. So I'm only going to lose like, you know, whatever. It's, you know, five or 10 frames at most. Um, So, you know, very playable, I reckon, a lot of these games. I don't think it's playable on some of the games they try to get people to play. You know, like the first-person shooters and stuff like that. It's like, what are you doing? Like, it's just, that's not a smart idea to launch with that stuff. But, you know, probably the last thing I want to say on this, I don't know if you want to go on about it, but I'm actually kind of a bit worried because my view is, and I, I, I haven't mentioned this before, but, you know, it feels very inevitable. Just, you know, if you're looking at history with Nintendo, they'll do a revision of the Switch next year. 
um, it, you know, it's time for that. It's probably even overdue for a revision. And, you know, with a revision, at a minimum, it's going to be faster. Now, whether it's so much faster or it's just moderately faster, it's going to be faster at a minimum, just like with the 3DS and the new 3DS. There's a whole bunch of games I'm actually putting to the side, very, very organized. I've put them to the side to play once the new one comes out because they're a bit choppy on the current system. And part of me is almost like, I wish I could put Age of Calamity on the on the side because it will run better. But games like... Um, the Xenoblade trilogy, essentially, sort of, uh, Xenoblade and Xenoblade 2 and Torna, I've actually put them to the side, and I'll play them when the new Switch comes out. Xenoblade does worry... run pretty well, um, the remake. What was that? Xenoblade Chronicles, the remake, seems to run nah, pretty well. It, it, it still drops a lot of frames, dude. I mean, I've been playing through it. It seems pretty good to me. Like, yeah, I haven't I'm... come across anything that's... Like, I know a choppy game when I play one, you know? Sure, sure. You know, you know, I'm just like super sensitive to that kind of stuff. Like, I know I should put that context around everything I'm saying. Like, I'm crazy. I'll like get a CRT so I can play games like with as no lag. You know what I mean? Like, I hate that kind of stuff. I'm specifically do... talking about the remake, like the remake. Yeah, I know the definitive not... edition. Yeah, definitive yeah, I'm not edition. not yeah, yeah. like the sequel or anything like that. Yeah, the sequel is really choppy, and I know it's much worse than the the definitive edition. Um but the thing I worry, I guess my point is, the thing that I worry about this whole thing is that developers, and just thinking from a business perspective, you know, they, they, you know, look at Witcher 3, right? I just think, you know, if you're CD Projekt Red, like, why would you spend a year and a lot of money, a lot of money investing in porting Witcher 3 onto the Switch when you can just, like, spin it up on a cloud version, you know? And I think that's the biggest thing that's going to annoy me with this whole trend. And it's inevitable, unfortunately. Um, but even with the Switch revision, I think, you know, the upper end games, you know, the Cyberpunks, I think Cyberpunk will come to the Switch, but it'll be like a cloud version. And that sucks because I, I love the Switch as a portable device. Like I literally use it all the time for that. And just, I know, chopping from like Wi-Fi to Ethernet, you know, mobile, whatever, it's going to cause the game to stuff up and be real funny and, I don't know, it's going to bother the hell out of me. So, yeah, that's the one thing I'm going to be a bit bit sad about. Like, do you think that they're going to, like, still want to port those games? Um, I mean, they already don't port most of them. Yeah, but do you think that they'll, they'll just go, like, streaming now? Yeah, because, I mean... Like Doom Eternal. Well, yeah, see... Doom Eternal, I think, is a very specific use case because people are really expecting that one to be ported, whereas I think a lot of these other games, no one would have ever expected a port of Control or Hitman 3, which isn't even out yet. Yeah, No one yeah. would have ever expected, especially considering Control has enough issues on current gen, like even the PS4 Pro struggles with, with Control, yeah, and that's it does. a pretty powerful system, you know? So, yeah. That's um, the one knock on the game that most people have. Yeah, and it's a you know that game has a lot going on from from by all accounts. So, I mean, without this cloud option, I mean, you wouldn't have had any other option to play Control. So, other than the price point, you know, I only see it as a as a positive. And yeah, it. I I hope this opens the doors to you know to more games. But as someone you know someone that lives in Australia, I don't know if we'll ever have access to them. Oh, we will. We will. I mean, you know, and I'm really excited early time. next year. Well, I don't think so. I don't think so. Like early next year, X Cloud's coming to Australia. 
Um, so I'm super keen to try that out uh, when it launches. Like we'll have to do a lot of testing on that to see how it all goes. Um, and I think, you know, the rest will follow really rapidly. I think it will happen a lot quicker than you think once it starts to happen. Um, cause you know, they, especially if it's like, I mean, the dream would be xCloud going to switch cause, um, you know, they're already going to be coming to Australia. So you'd think that it would it'd just start to work. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it, it's interesting. And, you know, continuing on the topic of, uh, cloud gaming, seems like everyone is trying to get into cloud gaming at the moment. So, uh, during the week with, with little fanfare, let's be real, Facebook announced, uh, their own cloud gaming feature incorporated into Facebook gaming. Also Facebook gaming. I didn't even really know much about this. I think it's like, what is it? FB.gg or something like that. Um, and, and, you know, they are taking a bit of a different, uh, position in the market. So they've made it. So it's like, Hey, it's, it's free. There's ads. You can jump on right now and start playing again. Just like you, I tried to jump on and it's like, Oh no, you can only do this in the U S. <laughs> Um, yeah, like, is this, is this going to succeed? What do you reckon about this? Honestly, I'm kind of surprised this wasn't already happening in a way with how downplayed it is. So it's kind of just part of their existing platform and they talk about, okay, it's a mixture at the moment, two formats really of games. So your full free to play titles, um, you know, like Asphalt 9 and things, game loft kind of games. Um, and your and playable ads, which is interesting. Uh, I'm actually kind of surprised. Maybe that stuff was happening, but it was like downloaded into the local, you know, the client's device at the time or whatever. But it's this is when you first read it, you go through and you're like, man, this is super underwhelming. But then you actually yeah. kind of just look at it. And you're like, well, they're not, they're not, they're starting with this stuff, and maybe they'll expand it out, but. It's just an extension to their existing client base. I don't think this is going to draw people in. It's more like, oh, you already mm. play games on Facebook. Well, now you can play these games essentially in the browser version, the app version, and it will just stream it. Um, mm. A lot of people might not even, although you know they may put say, oh, this is cloud streamed. Something like Mobile Legends Adventure, you might not even realize you're probably streaming. You know, like games that aren't like super resource heavy. That doesn't look super resource heavy, I should say. Uh, or WWE Supercard, you know, things like that. Um, so it's honestly, you kind of read through their take on it, and I kind of, for once, I actually kind of like what Facebook said about something. They're like, hey, mm. you know, like we're not trying to replace your your Xbox or your PlayStation. You know, we're not trying to replace stuff. This is kind of just a cool new thing we're adding um, to to Facebook gaming. Um, I don't think it's going to move the needle, <laughs> but it's Facebook. Like, who knows where Facebook's going to be in 10 years to begin with, you know? Like, it's, it's, it's just that whole... Everything about Facebook's weird to me. Like, I don't use it anymore. I haven't used it for a very long period of time. Mm. Um it's almost like a completely different thing. Um, so it's, yeah, and they also, um, it's, those features are only available um, certain regions in the US, not the entirety of the US from, uh, I didn't take a note of the exact uh, like states and places, but um, it's also not available on iOS for reasons, as we know that other platforms don't have, uh, other <laughs> providers don't have uh, streaming game streaming on on apple through traditional means with um who's the so amazon's the one that's doing the in browser one isn't it luna 
Yeah, long on iOS. Yeah. yeah, and now everyone's copying that. Everyone's like, we're going to do the same thing as you guys. <laughs> yeah, look, I think the way they announced it was really, um, it was really smart, and I almost put this in the category that, um, you know, in terms of what we enjoy about gaming, like it's not going to hit our radar. No way. Yeah, but it's not. It's not for us. It's not for us. Yeah, exactly. But is it going to register in the gaming space if you take it as an industry? You know what I mean by that? Like, is it actually get to have an impact in gaming as an industry? I think yes. And I think, I think this might be a lot bigger than we even expect or sort of know. It's just not our wheelhouse, not our space that we care about. It's like the fact that pretty much the biggest game on the planet at the moment isn't among us, isn't, you know, Fall Guys, it's it's Genshin Impact. Like, that game is, like, killing it. Like, in terms of revenue, engagement, everything. And it's just not a game that I've got any interest in By the way, at all. You know, I downloaded that on my phone, actually. Oh, did you? Yeah. There only you only because go. I just wanted to just see what it looked like. Um, so I spent the, like, two gig to download it uh, on Wi-Fi, of course. Um, yeah. That's a very pretty-looking phone game. Oh, my God. Yeah. Pretty yeah. crazy. And, and like if, I said, it's pretty much the biggest game going if, around at the moment. Like, even when we talked about Genshin Impact as part of the PlayStation State of Play when they um, mm. kind of went into it there as well a few months ago, that game actually would interest me if it wasn't for it being, like, riddled with free-to-play gotcha stuff um you, the rest of it wouldn't feel to me in its defense you should try to play it then like I don't, I don't know if it's on xbox is it on xbox yet no oh okay um you should play it like it's on pc as well um yeah but i've heard a lot of people talk about it and they've all said it's very very respectful of the players with the gotcha mechanics but i've also i've read the opposite as well um okay. so but you can always of, try it you, I can, but then I can also play something else, which is what I'm doing. The one thing that people recommend, and this is this is so, these these games aren't for me. Like I just don't have any interest in these kind of games, so I won't even try. But one thing that people always say with that game is you should create an account, and if you don't get the legend that you want, you should basically like restart the game, and that's about like five hours in or something like that, or maybe even shorter. Supposedly, like that's that's the way to play it. Again, like I said. This kind of stuff doesn't have any interest to me at all. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. All I'm, right. Um, honestly, yeah. With with the Facebook stuff, um, I guess the last thing I'll just say on it is that if they start to roll it out to, let's say, non free to play games, free to play games, then I think that's when. I'm more interested in, I guess, like talking about it because I think the if they actually try to go toe to toe with Stadia or Amazon, who knows? It's going to be really interesting at that point. So yeah, that's that's yeah. I guess my last thought on it. So. And ultimately, it's very hard to see how anyone's going to knock off Microsoft. Like it seems to me much more logical that a a Google and a Sony do a deal together, or you know something like that. Like, Microsoft's just such in a powerful position given, you know, the Azure stuff that they have around cloud. They're always going to have a bit of an edge with that stuff. And then their gaming heritage now. So, yeah. Well, talking, and, and, you know, talking about a powerful speaking, position. <laughs> yeah, talk, speaking about Microsoft. Did I just steal your segue? 
<laughs> no, no, no. Uh, no, it was a good prompt. Um, so, yeah, more news. More news around Halo Infinite and not good news. So, uh, the troubles continue with Halo Infinite. And it is quite odd, just on as a side note, that all the boxes for the Xbox One... Uh, sorry, the X... Oh, almost, almost. I don't think I've done it too many times. The Xbox Series X has, like, Halo Infinite all over it. Like, all over the box. And it looks actually like a really cool box, by the way. I know we'll chat about that in a sec. Um, but yeah, so one of the game's directors, Chris Lee, is leaving the project. And, you know, he's done the right thing, you know, in public, spoken very amicably about 343 and Microsoft. You know, hey, they're going to do a great game. Fantastic. But yeah, that's not a good sign. That's a really bad sign. And they've had other, you know, people leave the project not even that long ago. This this game is in massive strife, and I, you know they'll get there, they'll they'll get a game out there, but yeah, how much of an impact the game's gonna have? I really, really struggle to see how this game is gonna, you know, be one of the defining games for the Xbox Series X. See, I'm not worried about the game that will eventually come out. Um, I but obviously this is not a good sign. <laughs> I'm not no, it's saying terrible. it's a good sign it's at terrible. all, um, but. The generally, you know, the, they've always generally done good by Halo. Um, and that's the reason why they delayed it, you know. Um, there's probably yeah. multiple reasons, but, you know, they, they need to make sure this hits. Um, and what's interesting is to see um, Phil Spencer kind of, I wouldn't say walk back because he didn't really 100% confirm it before, but, you know, we talked about whether or not they'd consider releasing Halo Infinite. Um, yeah. Uh, the campaign split and multiplayer separate and split it. Yeah, kind of almost said they wouldn't be adverse to doing it now. Um, like or like we'll see, you know, kind of thing. So who knows? Maybe they'll actually end up launching with the multiplayer um, first. Um, I, don't, I don't know what campaign. I said about that, but maybe I said the opposite of what I'm about to say. But I feel like they have to release it, the multiplayer. Like surely the multiplayer is at a stage where they could release it. Wouldn't be far off, that's for sure, unless they suddenly kind of just, you know, reallocated all their resources to something, you know, mm. like else, on, like the campaign or something. But I'm sure there's completely different teams you wouldn't be able to do that anyway. But um, it's yeah, this I I that's the way I see it going. I see the multiplayer, um, you know, coming out. Um, you know, I don't know what month it makes sense next year, but whether or not it's February or something like that, um, and then the campaign coming not too long after, but not at the same time. See, I'm I'm a bit of a different camp than you. I think this game is not going to come out until like September next year. The I think whole, this game the whole game. Here. Well, I'll say the campaign when I like because that's like it seems you know I know that people really poo pooed the 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 eight minute of gameplay. I think it looked really good. Yeah. There were some rough parts, but I liked it. I liked it. It looked cool, man. Like in Halo, it's, you know, from a multiplayer perspective, it's not that hard to get right. You know, and now they've, I think they've added too much to the franchise, but it's not that hard to get it right. So yeah, I think like you probably like a February, um, bring out the multiplayer, but I really feel like the campaign's not going to be due until September next year. You know, you don't leave if you're the director unless you're really unhappy or they're unhappy with you or where the game's at. It's just a terrible, terrible sign. 
and will clarify as well that for now, at least, um, they've said that he still remains at Microsoft, but who knows? Yeah, what but happens who, at that point? Like, who knows? But that's yeah, I know. But they, that could be like he's redundant. <laughs> he's in the redundancy pool or something <laughs> like that. So, you know, and also the really bad practice in the gaming industry, and I think this is really wrong that most of the companies, they don't put people in the credits if they're not there when it ships. So if you worked on the game and then you've left like halfway through, they don't put you in the credits. And the credits are like huge for people's careers and everything, um, just as they are in movies, right? But movies are very different. They're very disciplined about how that all works. So yeah, there's a very big thing in gaming. Like people don't leave unless the game shipped and then they all leave in droves if they've hated it. So the fact that you've got some real key people leaving, really bad sign. Man, that, really bad sign. that just reminds me of, I don't know if they ended up patching it in, but I'm fairly certain that the Wii release of Akami didn't include the original developments of Akami in its credits. <laughs> what? I have a feeling that <laughs> was, so I remember bad. that game specifically. <laughs> um, yeah, there was, oh man, that, that was the game that released the box art with the IGN watermark on it. Um, well. <laughs> that's one of the greatest things to ever have <laughs> so funny it would have been you would have been stoked if you're ign <laughs> like i get you know this is a behind the scenes thing i get annoyed when you've sent me a video and it's like an ign watermarked video when there's just like a regular video without the watermark available online i think i'm usually pretty good with that but yeah, yeah usually pretty good but like it, it's happened a couple of times and i'm like oh god now i have to go find it but that's like our little production thing. And yeah, we are over the top for a tiny little podcast, but how do you release a game <laughs> with an IGN watermark? <laughs> like, how does that happen? Literally, like, I'm actually fascinated because that means that they've just downloaded and then sent it to the printers. Like, isn't that low, too low quality? You know what I mean? Like, normally yeah. you send really high quality assets to the printers. Yep. I just don't know how the hell that happened. That's so funny. It's like one of the funniest things I've heard. I, I couldn't believe it until I saw it myself. Um, and then l- let's stick with Microsoft for a second. There's another piece of news that came out this week. Uh, so the Xbox Series S and X, what what are they saying? I always forget. They've, they've been saying it. There's a standard way that they're saying it. There is. It is. Xbox Series S, SX, or I can't remember. Well, there's, there's a way to videos? say it in, there's a way to say it verbally, and there's a way to write it. So yeah, the way to write what, it is very clear. <laughs> I don't know what they're saying verbally. Um, I can't recall, but there's a, a specific style that they're they're all saying it uh, in unison. Xbox Series. Um, so yeah, like this week, and you know, like I have to hand it to Microsoft. I think they've done a really great job at being very open and talking about um, the systems, the UI. The controllers, the games, the consoles, much, much better than the way that uh, PlayStation's been doing it. Although, from the results, maybe PlayStation's been doing a better job because it gets more engagement, the PlayStation announcements. But yeah, this week, um, the Xbox team, they walked through uh, pretty pretty methodically uh, the interface, booting up the system. That That's one thing I've always found with people's hands-on. They've always said, I can't show you like turning on the machine. I can only show you when the machine's on. <laughs> so I was like, okay, they're waiting to share, uh, you know, booting the console up. And, and I think, didn't they boot it up from a, from basically like the sleep mode though? They didn't boot it up from a, from the beginning. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Correct. And I think that's, I think everyone would expect that, right? Oh yeah. But I just want to clarify that as well. 
Yeah, 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 sure. And, you know, for me, I don't have an Xbox One, so I'm not familiar with the interface, but I don't know. It just seems like a pretty stock standard tiles type of interface. Exactly the same. Very zippy. Yeah, I'm not familiar with the Xbox One, though. With with one cool. with one exception, which we'll mention. So. With a dynamic background? Is that right? Yes, yes. So, Which I think is like, when they said that, I'm like, eh, okay. <laughs> I don't know, I just didn't really think it was that interesting. No, like, it was a small thing, though, but I like the... I The reason I like it is because it's similar to if you set up Windows, you know, sometimes it'll be like, oh, do you want... What color theme do you want? It's the yeah. same kind of thing there. And then basically means, okay, if you've got like a purple color theme, it'll, it can have a dynamic. I do hope there's still, you know, customization options for, you know, doing other things there. But when I say, by the way, when I say it's exactly the same Xbox One, it's exactly the same as Xbox One now because they've updated Xbox One to this interface. Um, mm. But just, I guess, to cover from... Some someone that is using Xbox One now is basically gonna it's it's gonna be the same. But anyone that's going, you know, didn't have an Xbox One, this would have been a you know, I think a lot more insightful. And that's why yeah. I'm keen to get your take on some of it. Um one thing I found very disappointing is that they focused when they were showing gameplay games, which wasn't the main focus of this, I'll admit. Um like they chose they chose Gears Five, which does look fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. They showed enough Subnautica, which I've, I know is a very popular <laughs> game, but I'm like, of all the games, you show a game that clearly has pop up like straight away when you go in. You're like, really? Couldn't you couldn't have chosen anything else? Even State of Decay probably would have been better, you know. Um, and, and look, uh, you know, I know you're a huge Xbox fanboy, <laughs> um, but you know, I don't have an Xbox One. I actually have so many consoles; it's insane. Like when I actually started to look through what I have. But with Xbox One, I always just felt like, why did well, like why would I get the Xbox One? It doesn't have any big exclusives. So if, to me, it was just like, why wouldn't I get a PlayStation Four? It just doesn't really make sense. And I, you know, I know that they've bought so many studios, and surely they're going to keep some of them exclusive, at least timed ex- exclusives. But man, it's pretty underwhelming the way they're launching like this component of it with the Xbox Series X where they just keep showing games from, like, current gen on it. Yeah. It's like, almost... in so many of these videos, it's like, dude, like, what game am I buying for this console that's new? Like, you know, like, Demon's Souls looks insanely good. Yeah. You know I mean, what I mean? And I mean, you can go, genuinely, you can only play that here. I understand so... Gears, Gears 5, right? Because that has, they've done a lot of work on that, right? Sure. Why not, why not show, why not show Valhalla? You know, a game that actually looks really nice as well, you know, and that, like, show, it's just, that, that isn't, that's a launch title, you know, know, it's like show games that are, you know, people are going to impress people, basically. I think they don't want to because it's like, people would would just turn around and say, well, you can just play that on the PlayStation 5. You can play Subnautica on PlayStation 5, I'm pretty certain. I I don't think that's exclusive. I could be wrong. Isn't it? okay. Subnautica's not a Xbox published title or anything, so... I'd be shocked if it's not on PlayStation. Okay, yeah, um, it's it's odd. Like that's the that's just still the one thing I look at. I guess, yeah, it is on PlayStation. I guess the um, answer is they don't have any to show. Really, you know, right, but that's bad, dude. You know, it's so odd. It's I know, like, I know. <laughs> it's thank, so weird. Thank God everything's compatible. <laughs> like they came out saying that they've put five hundred thousand yeah. hours of testing yes. to basically say everything's compatible. So at least you know that if you have those games. 
you've got something to play, but for people that are brand new to the Xbox platform, they better have Game Pass. You know, if they don't have Game Pass, yeah. then, I mean, you better like Valhalla or you better like um, The Falconeer, which is apparently, you know, a pretty nice looking game. But I just... It, it, it... It's a really odd situation. And and before we move on, like the 500,000 hours, I was super impressed by that. Like, so that's excluding the Connect, Connect titles. Yes, but, yes. you know, essentially, you know, just, you know, being a business head, you know, there's 2,000 work hours in a year. So when I saw the 200, uh, the 500,000, sorry, 500,000 plus hours, I was like, wow, that's literally the equivalent of 250 people working on an entire year just testing and then, you know, I'm not saying that's how they organized it, but essentially that's equivalent of hmm. a team of 250 people working on it for a whole year, testing every game that they could. I'm like, that's impressive. I love that. The like lot- that to me resonates so much better than what the PlayStation story has been. And I know people have actually like had a crack at me about this, but you know, they were never clear about what games wouldn't, wouldn't work until recently. And even then there's still confusion and still debate. And even the people who develop those games have said, we don't know why it's not launching. Like, we're trying to work it out. And we had, so, you had Ubisoft this week retract a statement around that as well. Correct. It's like, they said, oh, correct. these games may have errors. And it was a lot of games, Assassin's Creed games, actually. And they're like, and they got <laughs> yeah, removed. So, so you're like, hmm, what's going on? Um, well, and, and my gut feel of it is like, the way that Microsoft's doing it, because they're getting it to run on the actual hardware itself, Right. Whereas PlayStation, they're putting an intermediate layer between to translate, which is always going to cause more error. It's more like emulation in, in, a, in a degree. I feel like what's going to happen is when this launches, we're going to see videos of stuff like breaking on the PlayStation 5, like PlayStation 4 games. Whereas I think with the Xbox Series X, I'm, I'd be surprised if there's a lot of those videos. Hmm. I I don't have a problem if not everything's compatible. Just the communication around it needs to be better. That's that's my point. Mm. Um, last thing I'll say about the whole dashboard is using this new dashboard on the Xbox One and the Xbox Series X and S with the SSD would probably be even way quicker. Yeah. It is way faster, um, especially the store. So the store was always really laggy because it took a while to load the assets and things. The store got the biggest redesign. It's almost like completely different. Whereas the rest of it's oh, okay. kind of very similar to what it was, but just almost like they've just made, modified it, changed some of the look of it and everything. The store is completely redesigned. And I don't know. I wouldn't don't know if the interface itself is way better, but it loads a lot quicker. Definitely. So mm. that's that was always the biggest problem. So, yeah. But I think it was a good walkthrough. But... Just like I think I said, I may have said it when we talked about PlayStation uh, UI. Um, I think it was last week. Um, that it, it unfortunately you don't get that new console feel if you're already using it in the last gen. That's the only thing for me. But yeah. yeah, and you know, like that's a weird thing about the Xbox Series X and the S. It just feels very utilitarian. Like, the way it looks, the way it functions, like, you know, if you want to put it on the side, just put it on the side. It doesn't look as good, but it is what it is. You know, the interface, oh, we'll just use the last one. Oh, the control, the controller. Like, and, and, you know, having said this, and I want to bring up the controller later when I'm talking about the Ori Ori review. Controller's great, Xbox One controller. Like, I, 
I haven't even used it, and I'm almost happy to concede it's the best controller out there. So, just from everything that people say, I, but I just want to clarify: you saying we'll use the old one? It's less that and more they update. Like this is the new interface, but they just gave it to the Xbox One as well. You know, like, yeah, but I wish they kind of didn't do that. To be honest, oh yeah, no, I know, I know that, but I just want to clarify: I don't think it's less. I think it's less than using the old one, and more like, oh, they just made, launched it on that as well. Oh no, no, I don't, I don't doubt what you're saying. I just think. It's again like a utilitarian thing. It's like we have it, so just give it. Whereas I think from a marketing perspective, it's better if it's like a new interface and people go, "Wow, look how good it looks! Look how slick it oh, looks! Yeah. Look how quick it looks!" Yeah, oh, this Xbox One's dated. Yeah, you know, like I, again, it's utilitarian. It's good that they've done it, but it just—I don't know. Yeah, no, so, I agree on that definitely. But um, yeah, no, look, um. I don't know. I'm so torn. Like, I'm so annoyed that the Xbox Series S is not $450 instead of it's $500 Australian. Because <laughs> I'd be really close. If that was like $400, I reckon I'd actually get it. If it was $400. I think they could price it at $400. See, um, I, I love that. And I'm not, that's, that's completely justified. But I just love that a $50 difference is like the thing that irks you. See, for me, it's like, man, <laughs> if it was like, to me, it's more like usually a hundred dollars plus difference that will make mm. me get annoyed. Whereas fifty dollars, I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know? so. I'm just really sensitive to value, and I just think five hundred dollars definitely it's a no. Because at five hundred, I'm starting to go, well, I might as well get the Series X. Whereas if it's four hundred, I'm like, well, that's a big difference. You know, how much do I value having that disc? Um, you probably get yeah. the Series X anyway, and just putting that out there. But yeah. <laughs> I think I think yeah. I think you'd. Uh, what's the opposite of regret? <laughs> I think you'd trust you. Uh, you thank your past self for that decision if you chose a Series X over an S. Yeah, and, but then I'm getting back to this whole thing of like with Game Pass. So many of the games are coming to PC now. I've got a pretty beefy PC. It's pretty comparable to these hot these new next gen consoles. Anyway, well, it's probably better, I guess. Um, you know, it's kind of like, why would I go down that path? You know, with the, with the Series X, whereas, again, going back to the PlayStation, they have exclusives. Like, Demon's Souls, I'm not expecting that to come to PC. So, if I want to play that, I need a PS4. I PS5, you know. I, I muck up the one that's easy to remember, PS5, <laughs> and get the Series <laughs> one right. Uh, all right, and let's get into some news that you would be excited about as uh, the number one xbox rpg player even though it's only exclusive on a certain console for a while uh, in, in the south uh in australia in the southern hemisphere so not in the world not the world <laughs> final fantasy 16 yes yes so this week um the final fantasy 16 director naoki yoshida dropped some pretty huge news about the game um on the playstation blog so essentially they while the trailer kind of gave you hints at a lot of this stuff, um, what's called the Awakening trailer that they showed in the... I forget which, what it, which it was. I think it was the like PlayStation 5 showcase state of play or whatever it was a, a month or a bit ago. But um, on they've gone into the world, um, the characters, and you know a lot of details about Final Fantasy XVI, which I was actually kind of surprised. I wasn't expecting to hear anything about this game for ages. And I said at the start of the, the podcast that, you know, there's all these reasons why I'm super excited about games this week. And this is one of them. I didn't mention it there because I knew we had a topic on it. Um, this Final Fantasy 16 is the most excited I've been, I've been about a Final Fantasy game since number 12. This is 
like everything about this is just clicking with me at this point. Um, even when I first gave my reaction to uh, the trailer, I kind of said, oh, I don't know. I still don't like the idea that they're still sticking with this action, you know, battle system. Now I, I don't care. Like I, the world that they've shown and everything so far, I just love it. And this is one, also one of the reasons why the fact that it's coming first to PlayStation 5 and who knows, may, ne- may never get released on any other platform, um, or at least not for a long time. It's one of the other yeah, reasons why I um, actually, yeah, would, would consider getting a PS5 um, because I'm so <laughs> looking forward to this game. Because you think about it, Final Fantasy, ever since Final Fantasy 12, other than 14, which is online, so, you know, that's a different thing. 13 and its sequels, 15. Um, they all came on an Xbox platform, so there was, you know, there was no need for me to play it on anything mm. else. And but also, while I, I really liked thirteen games, uh, less so Lightning Returns, but um, like fifteen, I have a very love hate relationship with fifteen. But I also wasn't super pumped for it um, before launch, unlike this one. Um, and I say super pumped, this game's a long way off. But um, so. Yeah, what they went into on the PlayStation blog, so it's, it's set in the world of Valisthea, I think uh, it's pronounced, split across about six different realms that all have, you know, obviously magic characters and things, um, centered around these powerful entities known as Mother Crystals, where the realms are basically, I guess, like uh, battling, waging war to gain control of them. Not saying any of this is terribly new, but it's just some cool tidbits. Um so in the trailer, they kind of went into this a bit, but they clarified that the nations have what's called a dominant. So it's basically like a vessel for what are essentially the summons of the game, uh, named as Acons. And I think Acons are the name of summons in one of the other titles, possibly 14. Uh, it's it's definitely not one of the other mainline ones, um, single-player mainline ones. The main protagonist, his name is Clive Rossfield, and actually all the character names are really, really down to earth in this one, and I kind of like it. We've had character names um, really out there in the last few titles especially, and I'm just like, it's good to kind of... uh, It's weird, this does feel like almost like a return to form narratively for me. Um, I just really, really like what they're doing. Um, His younger brother is the dominant for Phoenix, based on the Aircon of Fire. Um, so they confirmed, even though everyone kind of had already pointed this out, um, that the other summons that they showed in the trailer were Titan, Ifrit, and Shiva, which is cool. Um, I always call out the summons when we play the Smash Brothers Midgar stage, and when I'm, you guys are like, I just shut up whenever I'm like, oh, there's Ramu, <laughs> I just love it. I love anything to do with Final Fantasy summons and things. Um, they also showed off a lot of really cool key art. Um, so they launched a teaser website that you can see that stuff as well. And and some of that art is actually just absolutely jaw-dropping. Um, way better than anything from 15. 15, as I said, and, you know, we'll, I, I want to talk about the Royal Edition a little bit later when we get to the bargain bin, but um, there's so much of that game that didn't appeal to me. And the, the art style and the art, uh, the world and everything was one of them. So this this is the complete opposite. I'm, I super like what, everything I've seen with this. So what they've said is um, that essentially the next major news um, that um, to expect in 2021, as you'd hope, but to kind of make sure that, you know, people are, you know, not screaming out for it every week from this point onwards. Um, and we still don't know anything about a release window, I don't believe. So um, 
which is probably smart because Final Fantasy games not only can take a long time, but they also get delayed a lot. Just look at uh, 15 and the whole Final Fantasy 13 versus Saga and oh my God, there's so much there. So yeah, it's, I don't know if any of this is interesting to you at all. Uh, in no, Pagot, it is. But, it, um, is. it is. I know, I don't know if this will finally get you to play your first Final Fantasy game since what, Final Fantasy 6. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've booted up Final Fantasy 9 and 7 a bunch of times. Final Fantasy 6, that game is underrated. That game is so good. There's no way that I reckon I'll like any other Final Fantasy as much as Final Fantasy 6. Surely it ranks as like your top 2 Final Fantasy games. Uh it's probably my third favorite. Um, yeah. surprisingly, okay, surprisingly, nine is your favorite, right? Yes, yeah, so shockingly for me, not for everyone yeah. else. Um, Final Fantasy X's probably moved in my f- number two spot now. Um, whereas that was not the case in the past, even mm. after I'd beaten it for the first time. But these, well, I mean, days, that is the favorite for a lot of people. Well, that's here. That's what I'm saying. It's not surprising to other people. For me, it is. Um, yeah, yeah. That, for you, it is definitely. I was, I was just gonna say. Uh, I, don't, I can't even remember. Was it like Final Fantasy twelve or? I can't, oh, I, can't I love Final Fantasy. Actually, like. yeah. Now you're making me think of Final Fantasy twelve. <laughs> the, the problem with Final Fantasy twelve, like I retain this yeah. stuff in my head. The problem with Final <laughs> Fantasy twelve is that um, a lot of the characters are super lacking. Like everything else, I love about that game, but its characters, which are very important to a Final Fantasy game, are mm. there. There's a few of them, and there's a dead weight. Like the main character is the worst main protagonist of any RPG I've ever played, Vaan. He's just... In what? He's the worst main in character 12? in any... Yeah, in 12. Um, yeah, yeah, I've heard that. I've yeah, actually heard people he say that. He literally could not exist and the plot would change. <laughs> yeah, that's Like, that's insane. And the same the main with character Penelo that's not well. even, like, needed to be there as well. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, Ooh. He's basically, like, the vessel for the main... For the player in a lot he's of ways. The vessel. <laughs> he's but, the vessel. Um, he's the dominant. Um, <laughs> so... But 10, just the battle system of 10 is just so good. That is just, oh, I want them to release another game like that. Um, I've still got to play through 10 too properly, but that has a different can we system. Can we, when uh, Final Fantasy 16 gets released, can we do your ranking of all the Final Fantasy games? I'd love to do my ranking. I think yeah, I've already given that. you that'd that be, ranking apart. That'd be apart, entertaining. But, oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'd love to. But uh, yeah, yeah, that'd be really cool. Huge update. Anyone that's into Final Fantasy and even dropped off a bit, I reckon check out this blog um, on PlayStation Blog, and I reckon uh, it will. Uh, I reckon you'll probably actually find yourself like thinking, "Oh man, this actually looks pretty damn good." So yeah, like so for me, you know, and I am interested in what you're saying about this because Final Fantasy 15, as someone who's been out of Final Fantasy a lot, Final Fantasy 9 is interesting to me. And I think it's more like the old school stuff. And then when 15... So 14, you know, with the online stuff, zero interest, see you later. I heard really bad things about 13. I don't know much about it. 13 Um, 13 is interesting. I understand why people don't like it. Yeah. Well, I've heard people say you have to play through the first, like, 40 hours and then it gets good or something like that i'm like sorry it's it's <laughs> I, let, use, it, I just don't play games that long no <laughs> like, it's it's closer to like 15 i'd say but it's that's it's a lot true though, oh it is it is but 10, 10 uh, sorry 13 2 i really like um it yeah. basically fixes everything i didn't like about 13 so. so i don't know like since since final fantasy 10 like they haven't been super appealing to me and that's a long time ago 12 and then 12 15, is really good i reckon you'd actually like 12 
yeah, so 12 I was pretty close to pulling the trigger on for the Switch. And they... So, like, that one I am interested in. And they were the um, Zodiac, um, whatever it's called, Zodiac version or whatever, they did a lot of work to that game. It looks absolutely fantastic. This That is not a, a dodgy remaster job. That game, the that version has had a lot of work to it. So... Mm. Um, yeah, 12. But, 12 is great. Yeah, like 15, I have no interest. Like when I saw all the the style and everything, just does not click with me at all, right? Like it was actually very unappealing. Like I'll just say it like that. Uh, and then when they had the trailer as part of, you know, one of the big showcases for PS5 and it was Final Fantasy 16, I was like, damn, I'm kind of interested in this. It's It's definitely the most I've been interested in Final Fantasy for like a decade or even more, to be honest. And for me, I actually think this game is going to be way closer to being released than anyone's saying. Like, my gut feel, I actually think this could be like a holiday game next year. Mm, I mean... I'll just say like this. I fully understand the timelines around Square Enix <laughs> and their development cycles and everything they've done, but just hearing a few like different data points out there around this game, I, I look, I wouldn't say it's a high odds that it'll be next year in terms of holiday next year, but holiday 2022, I feel like I, that would be very high odds that it will be at least by then, which is still for Square Enix, like, record time. Yeah, I hope that's the case. I really do. Um, because Well, I think if they release it next year, for holiday next year, you it's going to force your hand to get a PS5. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. And and just the last thing I should point out is uh, they did... I actually was wrong. Demon's Souls and Final Fantasy sixteen were both the games that they mentioned in that showcase. They were going to come to PC... And then they retracted it like that day, so I probably both of those games are coming to PC. So I mean that's one thing to look out for because you've got a pretty beasty PC as well. Even though I know you like playing on console. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, we'll see. That whole thing was a mess. Anyway, enough <laughs> about that. Yeah, and then let's get into the other news around uh, PS Five. So Jim Ryan did a fairly lengthy interview with Game Industry dot biz um and and, you know like they've been doing the rounds uh with a lot of the big media outlets but there's a lot of confidence going on with sony at the moment um in particular jim ryan you know the way he's talking about it it's you know hey we're gonna smash this generation it's been quite interesting the framing especially you know that it seemed to be the internal lesson that was learned at sony as part of ps3 was, you know, the hubris that they sort of had with PS3. And, you know, hey, we probably need to be a bit more grounded. And I feel like they've kind of gotten away with, (laughs) like, on themselves again. But, yeah, it's interesting. Um, But there was a few interesting tidbits just around, you know, the pre-orders that PS5's already had. They've sort of said it's the equivalent, I think it was like 13 weeks, correct me if I'm wrong, of what the PS4 pre-orders were. And I guess the interesting part there was they did announce how many pre-orders they had for PS4. So it was about a million from memory. Um, So it means like at least a million PS5s have been pre-ordered, which is pretty healthy start uh, to any console launch. 
And yeah, it was like a really interesting article just around how much momentum they have in this generation that they're not really targeting, you know, necessarily, Hey, we want to sell 150 million units because the market itself has changed. And it's more about how do you engage people? How do you get them to, you know, essentially get on DLC, all these other kind of microtransactions and make money that way. Um, so you don't necessarily need to have that huge, huge PS2 style install base. On, um, on that pre-order thing, and this is just like my impression of like how I I would think of everything at the moment. The whole, okay, we've, we've had more pre-orders than what, you know, what the, the last console launch was. Well, in my head, if I was thinking about getting a new console now, I, I think to myself, I'd have to pre-order to get one. Whereas in the past, I would have just said to myself, I'll just walk in and go get it. You know, it feels like mm. this launch, you have to do that. Otherwise, you're not going to get anything at all. Whereas last launch, I wouldn't have had that in my mind. And that's just me. You know, I, they these people obviously know what they're talking about. Um and maybe that was the case because I know there were shortages as well last last PS4 launch, but uh, or last PlayStation launch. But I just it feels very different with everything about the pandemic and you know we knowing that things aren't probably like a lot of these consoles aren't going to be available until sometime next year if you don't pre-order. Like to me, that surely has had an impact on the general public pre-ordering as opposed to what they would have in the past. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, 100%. And I, I think that can't be understated. Like, that was my thought as well. Like, so just looking back, you know, Chris, not crystal ball, but rewind, rewinding the clock, you know, when um, the PS4 launched, they actually had the pre-orders for it in Australia, and I, I'd imagine around the world as well, uh, for the PS4 back in February of that year that it got released. So... It's also it's such a long time, you know, some people, they don't have as much money just to go, oh yeah, I'll just plonk $50 down on a PS4. That is very expensive as well, by the way. It was like, you know, what was it? It was like $900 Australian to get a PS4 on launch. Um, so like all of those things combined and then it was such a short window with this. And then it was also like you're saying, I think that whole FOMO thing has become very real from a marketing sense. Like they want to make people, if they're on the fence, pull the trigger or get off the fence. You know what I mean? Like one way or the other. Mm. And that, you know, very Nintendo style of going, hey, this is limited. You know, it will sell out. And Nintendo has a history of selling out. People just go, oh, geez, do I want this? Even myself with the whole Fire Emblem thing last week. Like I was pretty close to getting that 30th anniversary set. And I'm like thinking, you know, if that was just on the shelf always, would I buy it? No. You know, so like it's a real good marketing tactic. Like it's smart. Like I I hand it to them. Um, so yeah, I, look, I think there's a bit of hubris going on here again with uh, with PlayStation. Although I still think that they're set up for success big time with the PlayStation 5. Just already they have exclusives. Like they have exclusives that people want to play. Uh, on day one of the launch. And then there's heaps of games coming out next year for PlayStation 5 as well. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. And, and then, uh, yeah, go on. Sorry. I was just going to say, yeah. And it's interesting. He was talking a lot about the whole thing about people aging out of games consoles. Oh, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, Like, he actually spent quite a bit of time talking about, you know, PlayStation. Just being a, like, I, it's weird. You know, we grew up in an era where, you know, 
the the Atari and then the the NES was coming mm. out, and then so I still to this day think of Sony as kind of relatively <laughs> new entrant video game know, space, even though it's so not. It's been so long; it's been like twenty five years at this point. Yeah, twenty five years. Yeah, it's and what was really interesting <laughs> to me about that is that I've never really thought of PlayStation having that much of a legacy, but when they this week showed um, that they had a lot of outlets giving gameplay uh, hands on of astrobot uh i can't remember mm. what it's called the full title um oh, it's like the playroom pack- or something like yeah that. the the packing title which looks absolutely amazing um and- oh it looks so cool I, i'm i, I ser- yeah it's astro's yeah. playroom i'm seriously keen and- to play both astro games but what the- they embedded that game with all these like all these cool like nods to PlayStation's history. And I'm like, man, PlayStation actually has a really long legacy now. And I've never thought of it until I saw that. And then reading this article with Jim Ryan about, hey, he's getting emails from people that have been playing since the first PlayStation. They're like, hey, I can't get a hold of one and things. It's like, man, there's, there's people that are, <laughs> it's crazy. There's people that were born, you know, when the PlayStation first came out, that are over 25 now. That's crazy to me, you know? I know. And, you know, even I remember, like, this is dating us big time, but I remember when the PlayStation launched and I knew people and friends, older brothers and stuff like that. So they were in their mid-20s, right? And, you know, they they were like, oh, you know, all this console stuff is all for babies, but the PlayStation was a big, ah, you know, this is, you know, like an adult console. huge turning point, a huge turning point. Yeah, it really was. It, like, and it really pains me to say, but... If I had to go back and think what was the most important console, it's really hard to go past the PlayStation, the original PlayStation, like just off the top of my head. Um, I mean, you could definitely mount an argument to say that PlayStation was the most important console. Um, but, you know, just going back to like when it launched and, you know, I knew people that bought it and it was so expensive in Australia, like, whoa, it was really expensive in Australia. Um and now that that those guys who were like in their mid twenties, and it was mostly guys back then, they're like fifty now. <laughs> it's like whoa, and yeah, I'm the same as you. I feel like PlayStation's still like an upstart, <laughs> which is stupid. So I, wonder, I wonder what all those people were. Talk- I think we talked about it in the previous episode that had those shot those. Uh, you know the the PlayStation pirated, um, you know setups with all copying all the game discs yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. I wonder what those, those those guys are doing now. Like, what are they doing? <laughs> are they are they like still like trying to like sell mods to platforms, or are they kind of moved on yeah, to maybe, other ventures? <laughs> no, probably cheating in uh, Call of Duty or something like that. That's the kind of people they are. <laughs> and it was interesting in the article. Jim Ryan actually spoke about the the piracy for PlayStation. Yeah, 2. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> And, I, and I've never actually seen them. It was... It, I actually recommend people read the article. It's really interesting. He actually... Like, and I've never seen Sony speak so directly and bluntly about this, but he was basically shitting on the PlayStation 3. Like, if you go through the article, he's very, like... <clears throat> you know, it was just, like, underwhelming. It was, like, a standing start with the PS4. Yeah, it was just, like... You know, we kind of, like framed it as it was a failure the ps3 just makes you so w- that also made me like go wow yeah. okay interesting it makes you wonder how they refer to it internally if that's what he's saying publicly as well you yeah, know I agree. I like agree. they must absolutely internally think of the ps3 as like the low point of the playstation oh it is i mean like it's low point in numbers sold it was the first time they ever weren't the number one console 
for a period of time. They ended up selling more total than the Xbox 360, but that was like neck and neck. Like, and even I think the final totals were very similar. And it's crazy to me because out of all those generations, to me, um, well, we don't know about PlayStation 5 yet, of course. From a library standpoint and the games, to me, that was the strongest era, but obviously from a business sense, it wasn't. PS2 uh, is pretty strong. <laughs> mm, uh, the 360 PS3 era, to me, just killed it in terms of libraries. But... Oh, I thought you meant, like, PlayStation 3 particular. No, like, no, like that era of games, because essentially, like, oh, yeah, 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 most yeah, games yeah, are yeah, cross-platform. Yeah, yeah. Cross yeah. yeah it's a great era of gaming. Yeah. I mean, those are back in the era where you'd have sequels on the same platform, or even trilogies on the same platform, yeah, yeah. you know? Like, these days, it's, like, pretty much you're lucky to get one installment from a franchise. I mean, like in Char- Uncharted, you had Uncharted 1, 2, and 3 on the PS3, and then Uncharted 4, <laughs> and that was it, right? So, yeah, cha- it's changed a lot, gaming. Um, and I love the PS3. I I think I have two PS3s at home. Like, I think the PS3 is an awesome console. And I think, actually, the pricing of PS3, like the consoles themselves and the games are going to go through the roof because... You can't play them on the PS4 and PS5. I need to. I need to figure out what how much I can offer you to get one of those PS3s off you. <laughs> well, I think my dad has one as well, so I'll I'll ask him because he does. I don't think he uses it at all. Seriously, uh, I'll ask him. All right, we'll, we'll, take, we'll, take, that, we'll might... take that off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. He, I, I just flagged though. I think he has the tray version. You know, the horrible one, the the final revision. You don't want that one. As as long as it plays, uh, like. The Tales games and stuff, the games yeah, that, that yeah. I didn't get access I'll to. All the games. Then that's yeah, all I care. That's all I care about. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Let's let's uh, chat after the potty. <laughs> let's make a deal. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So I mean, like a really really cool article. It's very hard for me to see how PlayStation Five is not going to be the dominant platform in the next gen. Um, just with the momentum that they have, you can already see it. Like if you go on EB Games. You can see the pre-orders for the games and it shows a breakdown essentially of like what's like the PlayStation 5 ranking versus Xbox series ranking. And yeah, like it's all dominated by PS5 at the moment, which is interesting. So yeah, uh, like I think, you know, why not both? Why not buy both? I don't think there needs to be a Why not have both? (laughs) Exactly. If you can afford it. Um yeah, I mean that that's it for from a PlayStation perspective. You wanted to cover this my time at Sandrock news? Yes, yes. So this week, uh Pathia Games has unveiled the sequel to My Time at Porsche, uh named My Time at Sandrock, which is it's cool like, you know, sequel, it's just follows a naming convention. So for anyone that doesn't know, mm. which I think probably includes Intercot, uh yeah. My <laughs> Time at Porsche is a Harvest Moon style game. Um, like I guess life sim is what you could say, where yeah. where you are essentially, but you're not a farmer, but you basically inherit um like a workshed or a workshop. You're a builder, and it follows this very similar model of hey, you start. There's a town. There's there's individual um like people townspeople that have clear strong personalities. You make them. You know you grow uh, to have good friendships with them and relationships and then you can actually like get married and it follow it has a really cool gameplay loop this is my time at Porsche which most time at Sandrock will follow similar is um where you know generally you'll get jobs as a builder and then you upgrade and get access to more stuff and it's 
pretty the game's pretty uh layered uh actually has quite a lot of like dungeons and quite a strong single player not single player sorry like narrative main quest as well as just doing like you know what you do in a stardew valley or harvest moon um and i quite liked it and i'll get back to my experience with porsche after i cover i guess what the sequel is so the sequel they launched kickstarter and it hit its kickstarter goal of a hundred thousand in 19 hours um the first game which was an unknown property at the time uh, of course uh took 29 days to reach the same figure which is great. It's this game. If you see the trailer, looks pretty far along. So at this point, it's just um, you know just extra investor money, pretty much for the title. Um, it seems like they probably would have been launching this game regardless. Um, they've got a whole bunch of stretch goals uh, leading up to a five million dollar mark, um, which includes more areas like dungeons and things, which are really important. We're really important to my type Porsche. Um, and uh, more multiplayer games. So one of the big new features is actually co-op multiplayer, which the first game didn't have, which I think is actually really, really cool. Um, and one of the stretch goals is actually being able to have multiplayer marriage, which is just super weird. I remember there was an achievement in Fable 2, no, Fable 3, to have a, a, a baby with another player, like an online multiplayer. <laughs> It was the weirdest oh, thing ever because, like, I had did you to unlock that I had, achievement. I had to do. Oh, I've, oh, I've got all the achievements in that, uh, but I had to do a boosting session for it. So I had to organize it with someone that I didn't <laughs> I know, right? Someone that I did not know uh, who also arranged marriage. Who also their the English was not their first language. Oh god! And put the, the baby inside of me. No, but literally, you have to walk up together to a bed, and you actually no, no joke. You have to go into a bed. Fables really crude about this oh, stuff, Jesus and then the screen Christ goes black, dude. and you hear like creaking bed noises and stuff. No, and you have, no. you have to keep doing it. You have to keep doing it until. Um, you like it because <laughs> whatever it's the most awkward thing I've ever had to do with a screen drawing. It just shows the how willing to, to the depths that you're willing to sink for your achievement hoarding. Literally, literally an achievement whore. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway, coming back to Sandrock. So, um. <laughs> It's um, it's mm. it is very similar to my time in Porsche in, in the way it's set up, but it's set in a new frontier town. Uh, it seems a lot darker and uh, uh, like t- in tone wise, but it's still mm. a bit of a wholesome game as well. Um, the it's in much rougher shape than what the town of Porsche was, um, and uh, they've revamped the. Con- yeah, it's running at like five frames a second, man. What the hell? So the new yeah, I'll I'll get to like some of the stuff about Porsche in a second about that. Yeah. Um, and it, they've completely revamped the combat system for Porsche. It really needed it. Um, and there's actually quite a bit of combat in that game as well. Um, so it's coming to PC early access in 2021. And then they've said essentially all current and next gen consoles uh, the year after in 2022. So to get to my, I guess my experience with Porsche quickly. So the game is, mm. is, is really cool, but it's also very rough. Um, has a lot of rough edges. The UI is pretty. You like mm, it. Kind of looks like this is an early access UI and stuff like that. But when you get past that, it's actually a real charming game. Um, has a really really cool gameplay loop to it that I said. Um, some of the characters like are really cool, and um, I'm going to spoil something for my Porsche here. So you know, maybe if you care about the story, 
what happens in that game, uh, you know, come back in a minute. Um, they actually go like one of the characters is like has a chronic illness and they actually pass away in the game. It's pretty like Whoa. they go places. Very man. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's a smaller portion finished, but you know, whatever. Um, so, mm. but it's what's really funny. The reason why I really want to talk about this as well was, yeah, but why why did you say that spoiler? By the way. <laughs> Because I wanted to explain that, like, they actually do a lot of the characters. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah so, like, they're, they're willing to kind of yeah, go there. Like, there's, yeah, the yeah, game yeah, actually okay. is really, really cool, but... Um, it's got some meat to it, more than you'd think from, like, for, at least personally. I know nothing about this game yeah. at all, and I'm like, oh. it just looks like a like an Animal Crossing-style game. Oh, it's nothing like Animal Crossing. It's mm. like Harvest Moon, Stardew. Um, so, it's really cool. My time pushes on Switch and that. Like, I really recommend it. Um, but the one thing I want to say about the game, so... This game, uh, under True Achievements' multi-genre system, had, was tagged as an RPG. So it's borderline, whatever, right? RPG? What? Uh, oh, that's why you've played it. No, but it's, it's borderline. <laughs> I was wondering why you played this. No, I would have tried it anyway because I like <laughs> Harvest Moon, Stardew, and stuff like that. Like, I played it. I would have played it anyway, but I cared about completing it because of that. So yeah. the the thing is, right, and it's it's borderline. It has a lot of RPG elements, but it's borderline. Um but the thing is, right, last week I talked about, hey, you know, when it comes to the grind of completing a game, exploit the hell out of it, you know, glitch the hell out of it. Like, there's stuff. Yeah. 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 Man, I've never exploited a game more than I have my time at Porsche. I completely <laughs> broke this game. So this game, basically any <laughs> item you get, uh... you can duplicate and have as many as you want. What? So you find Other, a like, super, you for find it. a super like expensive item that you can sell for a lot of money. You can make a stack of like two hundred of them like straight away. I exploited <laughs> the hellos. I was running around with like a hundred hospital beds in my inventory and handing them out to people to make them happy. I just love the fact that I actually got married to like the sexy nurse in in the in the the clinic. <laughs> By giving her a hospital bed every single day, which are not things you meant to have that many of. <laughs> so I absolutely just, I reveled. But you know what? As much as I completely cheated the hell out of that game, I really had a good time with it. Um, so mm. I'm really looking forward to this sequel. Um, so yeah, it's obviously not coming couple out years for away. a couple of years away for console. But um, yeah, my time Porsche. Are you going to back the Kickstarter? Uh, I already have. Yeah. There you go. So, Before it uh, got up to the 100k thing or? Uh, no, after. Okay. Yeah, I always hate when I miss out on the really good deals yeah. early on. So you know, the tears that they have. But yeah, just to clarify, like, hey, give My Time Porsche a shot. If you like Harvest mm. Moon or Stardew Valley, then uh, then My Time Porsche is really cool. Yeah, if you're into that genre of games. I, I always find that sometimes with those type of games... You know, if I've already played a Stardew, like I can't, there's only so many Stardew Valleys I can play. This, you know what I mean? This is or, different. Or games that have been games that have been inspired by Stardew Valley, like Story of Seasons. You know, <laughs> there's only so many of them you can play. This <laughs> this is different because of the whole builder approach. So it's they have really cool takes on everything. So, mm. yeah, fair enough. No, that sounds really cool. And uh, <laughs> in the best segue ever, uh, <laughs> let's talk about financial results. But uh, yeah, no, Capcom Capcom have actually been smashing it recently. I think like the way Capcom have been going, everyone hopes Konami has a resurrection in gaming similar to Capcom. Don't think it's going to happen. Um, yeah, but they've been smashing it. And 
some of the highlights are just around how big the Monster Hunter franchise has become. So in particular with Monster Hunter World, that's like contributed, I think, one third of the sales of the Monster Hunter series in total. And now that series is well over a hundred million units sold. Um so it's actually Oh, am I getting that right? I might be getting that wrong, actually. No, so I'm fact-checking myself. Yeah, no, so that was that was closer. I think like fifty million. Um, so yeah, it's like Resident, sixty or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah, right. Resident yeah, Evil yeah, yeah. was over a hundred million units. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I'm I'm actually thinking about because uh, Monster Hunter World is their best-selling game, but that that's like the whole series in general is like sixty-five million. Um, which is no, still, which is still. Like, pretty high considering that yeah, game like, is insane. was insane. up until world was actually fairly niche in the west so yeah no definitely definitely and yeah it's just like it's good to see a studio doing this well um and then it actually triggered me because like they were talking about street fighter like this street fighter duel game have you heard anything about this no i assume it's a card game of sorts oh no they've already got one of those um it it's obviously some kind of mobile thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's a mobile game. So I actually checked it out on YouTube because I'm like, I've never even heard of this. And it's launching in uh, mainland China uh, this month. And it looks really good, man. <laughs> like, it looks really good. Like, legit. Like, I'm, I don't play games on mobile. I think I've said this many, many times. But I don't know. Just uh, the love that I have for Street Fighter uh, as a series. It just looks very good. And, like, People are talking about it and saying it's actually a really, really good game. Um, and yeah, just like, you know, the one thing about Capcom from everything they're saying and sort of projecting out there, like they are just going to keep hammering all of their core series. So I'm sure we'll start to hear about Street Fighter 6 soon, you know, Resident Evil 8 Village, you know, that's coming out, should be next year. Monster Hunter Rise is coming out in March, and I'm sure they'll probably announce Monster Hunter World for next gen, probably next year, and then maybe release in 2022. It just feels like they're, uh, they're just on overdrive, right? I, <laughs> Capcom. I, so I mentioned how pumped I am, especially now, for Monster Hunter Rise. Yes, yeah, I am. Watching, I'm, I'm definitely getting after that After watching that, that game. gameplay, that made me realize this game, I think, is going to be massive, like huge, like I'm actually kind of... I didn't even think about how big this game... I reckon it's going to be huge. Well, you know, they've already said... So, it's coming out in March, and I think it's only got like a day or two in terms of that that month, because it's coming out near the end of March. And Capcom have already said to the market they're expecting at least a million sales in March, which translates to like they're expecting basically a million sales on launch. Which, you know, that's massive for any game. Like, doesn't matter how big your game is. Like, that's big when you're already selling a million just units. With the Switch install base, and I just think this game, like, watching it, like, when they first showed, announced this game, you know, um, as part of those partner directs or whatever they were, you're like, okay, you know, it's paired, it looks a bit pared down, looks closer to, like, you know, maybe the handheld stuff. Then I, when I watch that gameplay, while graphically it's you know it's a Switch game, it's not a it's not doesn't look like a world. It's still like they've done such a good. It's like a perfect blend of the two. Um, it's mm. like everything like the combat looks super dynamic and everything, and you're like, man, 
I yeah, I have a feeling this is going to be like one of the biggest selling games of next year. Yeah, I, I think so too. And it's hard to get exact numbers on how many units they've sold in terms of the Switch, but it from memory, it's like you know in the order of like sixty million from memory. I probably shouldn't be throwing figures out there if I don't, I'm not really sure, but um. You know, and the install base is just growing and growing and growing, and it's always done well portably, Monster Hunter. Like, the prior ones would still be selling, like, 8 million units, but just given how popular the Switch has been, especially in Japan, it's the number one console ever there. Um, and yeah, the, I think you're right. It's going to be massive. It's the next, and it's the next Monster Hunter game since World blew up. And while it's not, while it's not on other platforms... So it doesn't have like the huge install base of the PS4 and everything to benefit yeah. from it. It's got the huge Switch install base, which is pretty damn big. So it's kind of yeah. like makes up for that, you know. And yeah, and, and people, also like and people are sorry, people are screaming out for a new Switch game at this point. You know, we don't yeah. have that many new titles. No, big titles coming and, down and, on and the way. People, people also for whatever reason on Switch. I don't know what the attach rate is currently on the Switch, but. They just have a propensity to buy games on the Switch. You know, like, look at the best uh, <clears throat> the best selling game this year seems to be not FIFA, but it seems to be Animal Crossing. Like, they haven't released all the numbers yet, but that game, even just on a physical sales, is comparable to all, all the games out there on a physical plus digital. So, and there's a lot of people who bought it digitally. Um So, you know, people, like, it moves units, like, the Switch. It's just a very engaging platform for people. And I don't know, man. I know, like, you're going to think I'm nuts, but I really have this funny feeling. And this is not based on rumors or any BS articles that are out there. I still feel like there's a sneaky chance that they'll launch or announce, uh, like, a Switch, you know, whatever, Switch 4K, Switch Pro, whatever you want to call it as a bundle with Monster Hunter Rise, and maybe it will come out a month or two after Monster Hunter Rise. I think it's a good prediction. I I really do, because we've heard some of it's been debunked, but there's been some that seem semi-credible, a lot of rumours about that. Yeah, and you know how I hate rumours, man. Like, because to me... And that's why we haven't covered it. Yeah, and... Look, I'm just basing it on time, which is like Nintendo, what have they done with their own consoles? Because don't forget, they've done revisions on consoles before. Uh, and then handheld, they've always done revisions on handhelds. I just think, you know, we're at the time period where, you know, all of the big manufacturers revise their consoles. You know, we're, we're due for that right now. Pandemic might have pushed some, some of it back potentially. But yeah, I, I don't think that they'll release it on launch, which is, I've just checked... 26th of March 2021 but I really could see it like May like in May 2021 here's the new Switch and here's Monster Hunter Rise and look how good it looks now it looked great when it launched because by the way you know one thing that people keep on asking them is is that the actual footage of the game whenever they're showing this gameplay footage because people aren't believing it they're thinking it's like you know proving that there's a Switch Pro but you know they've come out to say no 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 it is running on the Switch when you see that footage so it looks awesome, and I I originally had this game in a category of like uh, Xenoblade, where it's like I'll wait until the new Switch comes out and play it. But I, everything I understand about Monster Hunter, it's kind of a game that you would just keep coming back to, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so yeah, it's probably worthwhile just cracking on, starting with it, and then when the new Switch comes out, which I'll definitely buy on day one, you know, 
just uh, continue on and it'll just look even better. So just an upgrade. But yeah, no, Capcom, you know, big developer of my childhood. I'm really glad that they're doing well and, you know, they're just, they're honestly producing a lot of great games at the moment, you know, depending on what franchise you like, they're kicking goals. So it's always good. Uh, And speaking of another person who likes to kick goals, who I regard as probably the best games journalist going out there. I don't agree with a lot of his views, by the way, but um, Jason Schreier uh, finally has revealed his new book, uh, Press Reset. And it's all about, you know, where companies have failed or resurrected in, um, or what people have done post gaming in uh, the video game industry. So yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting book. Like I think it's such a cool perspective to take um his original book like sorry his first book that he published uh blood sweat and pixels for me and i've read read actually sadly enough a lot of books on gaming and the gaming industry to me it's by far the best game like book around gaming um probably the only other one that i think that comes to mind really quickly that's up there is masters of doom i don't know have you read both of those when i haven't read either of them but i've always wanted to um i'm actually going to pick up uh blood sweat and pixels and when oh, cool. when i'm back uh because i own i find it tough to read in any situation that's not like on a train or something like yeah 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 and so i haven't had the I opportunity to be on the train in a long time and i will say i'm not <laughs> rushing out to get back on a train anytime soon but when <laughs> not, that, not where you live no but, but <laughs> yeah. when uh when that is the case then that's mm. that's what i'm looking forward to reading when i'm when i'm doing that yeah both of the books are awesome like masters of doom it's probably like just better because it's just like sorry not better but it's it's more cohesive because it's just one story about you know id and everything about it and it's so fascinating because i just absolutely love the early id games um but yeah blood sweat and pixels so good such an interesting insight into developers and i think this one might be even better because you know he would probably even have more access than he did when he wrote that first book um and you know taking the perspective of like things that have failed or moved on it's interesting because you know supposedly in the book he's talking to people who have left the industry so i i think it's going to always be interesting to hear their take so the book's coming out uh on the 11th of may 2021 and I think this might be the first time ever in my life I might pre-order a book and actually um, read it when it comes out because uh, I really, really, I, I couldn't put his first book down. So, so he's got he's mentioned uh, I may know that uh, it's got um, it includes thirty-eight studios, so Kingdoms of Amala, and I were they covered in Blood and Sweat and Pixels as well? Yeah, yeah, they were. did did. Did that mm. book, or I hope this one does, if it didn't talk to Kurt Schilling at all, you know, the baseball player that lost all his money? Because that would be, I, I'd love to hear, like, his take, uh, if he hasn't already given it, maybe he has, about, like, going all in and having it kind of fall fall out, you know, from under him. I don't think he did in the first one. So he did cover it, but I don't recall like that. I feel like that would have been like that something that would have stuck in my mind. Um, but yeah, who knows? In this one, he might. Mm. It's going to be interesting. So, so talking about Doom and books. Um, so local library. Um, you know, and it used to be your local library as well. Um, yes. Do you ever remember that they had a, a huge Doom book there? Yeah. 
and it was yeah, like that was the gigantic one all about Doom modding, and it even had yeah. like a, a CD that came with it with all these like Alien Doom and all this awesome Doom. <laughs> when I remember seeing that, and I can't remember if I borrowed it or if I just used to look at it in the library, probably just in the library. Um, yeah. And that was the coolest book. You're looking at like, oh man, because back then, like the idea of modding a game, like to me, was a brand new concept. Um, yeah. You started hearing people about, you know, doing using the map editors for Duke 3D and all that stuff. Um, but that was like, oh my god, these people, like, who are these people doing this stuff? You know, it was really cool. Yeah, I borrowed that book, and you know, I did some light modding and stuff like that. Like, I mean. That was so such a cool time period oh, where you could do that. Do, kind you, remember, of do you remember that one, uh, the Simpsons mod for for Doom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. That was awesome. <laughs> All of those mods were really sick. And then the one that made me laugh the most was now in retrospect, reading Masters of Doom, uh, when people modded in uh, like the Alien franchise into Doom. Yeah, yeah. And then essentially, like they were meant to make an Alien game. Like that was the initial kind of idea behind Doom. Um, and then it fell through from an IP perspective, which is kind of wild to think that Doom might have been an alien game. What was and like? Don't know how that would have hit like well or not. What, who knows? What was that first person shooter on PlayStation? I think it was Alien Trilogy. I think it was. Um, I think that's what it's called. I so don't recall yeah, I just remember name. like we had a, a mate of ours um, that finished before that because was all over the PlayStation stuff and. Uh, he loved that game. That and nothing's mm. entombed was uh, another first with shoot on PlayStation. Um, yeah. Anyway. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that as well. I was obsessed about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so no, really cool book. Like I'm glad that you're going to read um, his first book and yeah, read Masters of Doom as well. Like that's they're the to me like the clear like standouts from a gaming industry perspective. And I hope like more people write books around gaming because sort of deserves that that level of stature i think um along with movies and things like that and uh speaking accidentally of a segue into film assassin's creed is making a comeback but this time on the the smaller screen are you excited about this uh if it was anyone but netflix i would be um so i'm all right, so... As, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm, like, fascinated by that statement. So, well, kind of. So, in the past, I would have been. Um, but, so, yeah. So, Netflix and Ubisoft teaming up to produce a live-action Assassin's Creed series. Now, it seems pretty early in pre-production. They haven't got a showrunner or anything. Um, but they've announced it. Um, so, it's happening. Um, just like they recently announced that the Splinter Cell um, show coming as well. And the reason why let's past Swinney would have been super excited about this because there's actually quite a lot of Netflix shows I do like. You know, they do they do good by Castlevania. Um, I need to check out. I don't know if it's out yet, but Dragon's Dogma. Um, can you see that as well? Because I love the game, and I like a lot of the you know like what they did with Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and you know like you got House of Cards. Like Netflix has done some good stuff, but Netflix yeah, also, also, especially in recent years, has a tendency to cut a lot of shows off as they're kind of you know just really getting into the flow of things um and Mm. that's why i'm like uh, because if this ends up being good i'd just be worried all the time is it going to have another season (laughs) and like do they have to then write around that knowing that okay netflix has been canceling all these shows like i haven't seen it but altered carbon is one that people are you know frustrated they cancel and things and i 
I don't know if that impacts because then you can't, you know, like you can't have really good season cliffhangers in case, you know, you think that it's not going to continue and stuff. But I could go the path of Deadwood or something like that. You wait 15 years for the finale to be shown. So this, I mean, this is not the first time that that it's come to the screen. Um, We had the 2016 Mm. film uh, starring Michael Fassbender. Did you watch that? Okay, so you know how much of a huge Assassin's Creed fan I am. Um, I think it's your favorite franchise. I think you you actually like it more like the Mario, Zelda. You know, I can't even think it's of it. It's up there. It's up there. I love it. And I the thing is, I don't... I won't say I love every aspect of all the plot stuff. A lot of it, it lost its way a bit, but um, especially yeah. the first five games with the Desmond uh, saga and everything, that was really cool. Um, and so I was actually really pumped to check out the movie... Um, and I tried watching it sometime early this year, and I oh, so you hadn't seen it before? No, okay, I hadn't. And I try, I gave it a shot. And I'm like, man, I know this got a poor critical reception, but I maybe I love, maybe I love it. Um, it's just for an Assassin's Creed film, it just starts so boring, and I could only get through the first like forty minutes, and I just got bored. Like, and I can't and believe that. And I, yeah, I, I, I will, oh, wow. I will say that I've got in a bad habit of doing that for a lot of films this last, you know, couple of years. Oh, really? Where I will, if uh, if it doesn't hook me, I'll just move off and say I, I want to do something else. But, um, and that was one of those, and maybe I'll give it a shot. But that's the other reason. It's like, well, that didn't work for me. Is the live action series going to work? I definitely think a series is much better in some ways, but. Out of all the games I play, a movie could have worked, you know? And maybe if I watch the whole thing, maybe it'll turn me around, but I kind of don't think so. Um, this sounds like a bad movie. Probably. Um, and it was, mm. well, like, it visually looked great and everything, but it also kind of looked visually bland at the same time. So it's... <laughs> sounds like Assassin's Creed. <laughs> hey, Assassin's Creed looks beautiful, man. Like, there's Odyssey. <laughs> there's some parts of Odyssey that look amazing. Um, yeah, but that's the most recent one. I don't know. Like, to be honest, looking at it, I'm like, oh, it looks like Assassin's Creed. Uh, it's all brown you, and stuff. Ah, uh, trust me. You haven't played enough Assassin's Creed games. <laughs> Um, I'm staring partially. So, but so there's part of me. It's like I obviously hope this is cool, but I mm. we'll see. We'll see. That's pretty much how. Yeah, I feel. And look, like I think the thing is they're pretty brutal Netflix now because you know the shows they're canceling. They're not canceling the shows that are being watched. You know, like it's pretty simple. I mean, it's like people aren't watching them, so they're canceling. I mean, them. yeah, but you got shows like Daredevils that would Daredevil was actually quite popular. You know, and they cut yeah, that but off. like, you, you, there's probably two components there. Like, how much are they paying for the licenses versus how how many yeah, people is it driving to stay on the stuff? But I don't care about any of that. So I care as a viewer. So yeah, sure, sure. You know, like yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. And this, I'm coming at this from a viewer standpoint. Do I want to get invested in a show that Netflix could potentially can before it starts getting good? You yeah, know? and I think that's the biggest thing. They haven't been handling how they cancel things well. You know, it's been very data driven. It's not like they've sat down with the showrunners and said, realistically, we think this is two seasons. So build the arc that way. Maybe put a slight cliffhanger there if we want to go back to season three. You know what I mean? Mm. And this, I will say one of the things that annoyed me the most, and this is actually not Netflix from by all accounts, it's David Fincher, but it's very possible that Mindhunter won't get a third season. So it's, oh man, you know, like that was building Mm. up to something big, you know, Um, and that's... That's apparently more David Fincher than them. Um, apparently, I don't know if you've ever watched Mindhunter, but 
That a little bit. I didn't get really into he, it. He apparently that like that show took a lot out of him. Um, oh. Yeah, like it was a it was a very like a lot of his time and stuff. And I think that he said that you know he doesn't know if he'll he'll do a third season. So, um, but, yeah. but they could do a third season, right? Without him. I mean, yeah, and they can do it. Th- yeah. They could, but I think um, um, Finch's style is very, very important to that show. Very so. particular. Yeah. yeah, no, that's true. Um, awesome. And then uh, let, let's get into my favorite segment of uh, always our shows, the bargain bin. Uh, so this week for the week commencing the 1st of November. So Epic Game Store, we always start there. Uh, they offered, uh, and currently you can download... Blair Witch, and also Ghostbusters, the video game remastered. So I was really close to actually installing and playing that. And I think I will uh, shortly. Um, yeah, we, we spoke about that last week. Uh, Nintendo Switch, like I've added this in the notes. I have tweeted about this previously. Nino Kuni uh, is $14.50. Is, is it the first one? It's No, so it's the, it's the, uh, the witch, the white witch, or is that the right way to say it? Well, there's there's only two Nino Kuni games, so is it number one or number two? Because I literally I went to grab my Switch, I'm like, I'm going to buy it if it's number one. Wrath of the White Witch. So I think that's number one. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool, so, awesome. But just, just to say, so two things on this for people who are listening. This is like available for like two more hours or like, you know, three hours post when we publish the podcast. So by the time you listen to it, it won't be available for most people. And just to remind everyone, the Switch version isn't the remastered version. Oh, that's it's f- like a port of the original. That's fine. But that's fine. it is a crazy deal. It's like fourteen fifty. It's 84% off. A lot of people are getting on it who I, uh, love those games. I did not even know it was on the Switch. So there you this go. This is why we have the bargain bin. Exactly. And I'm going to go buy this game. <laughs> As soon as this podcast, right now, I'm going to go buy now. this game before I run out to go get pre-order my Assassin's Creed Valhalla Steelbook. So there you go, <laughs> beautiful. Uh, and then in PlayStation, uh, so there was a quite a bit bit of news actually. So with PlayStation Plus, there was a lot of speculation about whether they'll have PS5 games. I think most people said they wouldn't, but they turn out that they are. So Bug Snacks, a very memeable game, uh, the PS5 only version. So. Not so again. Bug Snacks is coming out on PS4 and PS5. The PS5 version is going to be a part of PS Plus for November. So you need a PS5 for that game. I'm guessing you probably can add it through the web interface, but all, like we don't know that yet until you know. I guess the PS5 launches. It's also not super clear whether you know you have to do it through the PS5. It seems in the materials like it's saying you can only activate it through the PS5. So interesting um also uh middle earth shadow of war uh is available this month and hollow knight void heart edition so very good month actually for playstation much better than it has been previously yeah really good uh, and then yeah very good um hollow knight you know i'm st- chomping at the bit to play that game um in terms of new editions so we, we've previously flagged all the games that were available on the PS Plus collection. So it's their idea of going, hey, these are all some of the best games on the PS4. You can play them on the PS5. Again, this collection, you can only play it on the PS5. We still don't know how it works in terms of, do you have to unlock these games and then they're on your profile forever? Is it a limited time? I think I've flagged previously. I think they'll end this 
in, you know, six months or something like that. Um, but there's actually been weirdly some additions to the PS plus collection. So I'm not sure if this is going to be a constant thing they do. It's interesting. Um, because given that say middle earth and hollow Knight, their PS4 games as part of PS plus, they will be playable on the PS5. So it's a bit strange. Um, so yeah, the games, call of duty, black ops, three zombies, chronicles edition, and a really good game, Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy. So that's awesome. That's going to be part of it. And then there was one tweak that they made that was also interesting, and you'd be interested in Swinney, that originally was the Final Fantasy 15 Standard Edition that was going to be a part of PS Plus Collection. They've now upgraded that to the Royal Edition, which is really good. Yeah. So that's... Is that incorporating all the DLC? No. So what it was, so... No. The Royal <laughs> of course Ed- not. It's Final Fantasy. It has to be complex. So, no. Well, what they did, it is complex. I'm not going to lie. But um, they had a first uh, set of expansions. Um, and then then they did the Royal Edition. And then they said, we're actually going to have another set of expansions. And these expansions are very integral to... Uh, well, mm. some of them are very integral to the plot. So these aren't just little things. These are like really important story pieces. Um, and then they cancelled them all except the one that they already had going uh, and they released that as a separate. So it doesn't have that that last episode. Um, they were originally meant to have like three or four more episodes. But the reason why it's, the Royal Edition is really important is because that is, that that's, I call that the actually complete edition because Final Fantasy fifteen was missing like total entire chapters that filled in like important story points that they Mm, just didn't they didn't even exist when it released on launch (laughs) and the royal edition adds in like there's a whole the whole last part of the game you're actually walking around the actual city properly and there's like proper end game bosses and things in the royal edition whereas the standard edition it doesn't have that so you don't want to play anything. If you haven't played the game before, you don't want to play anything that isn't the Royal Edition. Um, so that's good mm. that I've done that. Okay. Yeah, no, that, that is good. So, I mean, that covers for PlayStation. Do you want to go through the Xbox ones? Yeah, quite a bit. Um, so we've had a mm. whole bunch of additions to Game Pass. Um, I'm just going to make this easy for myself. Everything I say uh, is available on Xbox and PC except the one that I'll give make an exception. So these are all Xbox and PC Game Pass. So you've got Kato, um, Five Nights at Freddy's, Unruly Heroes, uh, all available now. Um, then you've got Comanche, which is just on PC. That's the exception. That's available from them November the 5th. Um, one I'm super excited for, Deep Rock Galactic, uh, on November the 5th as well. That's a really good co-op game. Uh, we should actually try that if you've got PC Game Pass. Yes. Um, yes, I do. Uh, Let's do it. E-Shade. Um, on November the 5th, Knights and Bikes on November the 5th, and pretty big one, Ark Survival Evolved Explorers Edition on November the 17th. And they've actually been showing off quite a bit of what uh, Ark looks like on the next-gen consoles uh, for comparison videos and stuff. You, so. you actually missed one, and I thought it was the one that you were going to say, oh, it's pretty big. <laughs> did you realize which one you missed? Oh, did I miss the list? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know the reason I probably f- missed that subconsciously is because at some point... <laughs> Doesn't everyone own that game at some point? It's been like available on ev- for free <laughs> yeah, on every bloody platform. Have you played it before? Uh, yeah, I've only, I've played this. Like I played it. I've tried it. Um, it's a good game. Yeah. I just haven't sat down. Honestly, what ruined me that game is watching it on AGDQ speedruns and stuff. Now, oh yeah, definitely. What are you doing? <laughs> well, it's fun. It was fun to watch, but now like I almost just 
wonder what someone else played. Um, and games with <laughs> gold from November. Who gives a crap? They're all suck. Let's move on. <laughs> What's I know what is up with that? They're all really okay. Bad. Well, okay. I can't say I don't know what the first two games are, but they're not. Let's just say they're not. But this is at this point just kill it off, Microsoft. Um, so we've got Aragami Shadow Edition and Swim Sanity for Xbox One. Um, they're available. Oh, I guess I've got to give the dates for them as well. Sorry, I'm just really ambivalent towards these. <laughs> so Aragami Shadow Edition on Xbox One is available from November the first to thirtieth. Uh, Swim Sanity is available on Xbox One from November the 16th to December the 15th. Then uh, two games I actually do like. Um, Full Spectrum Warrior, which is an original Xbox game, available from November the 1st to 15th. Although if you're going to play Full Spectrum Warrior in anything, you probably play it on PC. Um, and a game I actually do like, which is Lego Indiana Jones. Uh, that's mm. an Xbox 360 game from November the 15th to November the 30th. And just two quick PSAs about some server shutdowns. So Gears Pop, that uh, game that everyone loved the announcement for. Um, Gears Pop. It's shutting down it's mobile, so odd. mobile game. It's shutting down in April 2021. So it's barely been, I think, what, a year and a half. Um, and the, the reason why I want to call it out is just like anything, like all that means um, all the achievements will be probably, most achievements will be unobtainable. It's a mobile game, so that mm. needs constant server connection. And another game, which is FIFA Street, their servers are shutting down on 30th of November, uh, so next month. So if you... No, this month. Uh, oh, yeah, it is the first, yeah. So this mm. month, end of this month. Um, yeah, so just some shutdowns there if you care about, uh, I guess, getting all the achievements in there. FIFA Street will, um, obviously, you know, it'll have offline stuff available still. So, yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, I'm kind of a bit confused about games with gold now. Like, I... <laughs> Yeah, with the whole Game Pass thing, it seems like you know what's the point. I think they're just they're just riding out the this gen. I think um, they'll probably, I reckon, give give it six more months, and they'll probably then uh, phase it out. Mm. I guess people might turn around and go, "Oh, that's you know taking something away from me," and it's probably not costing them much when they're putting not so great titles on there. Yeah, don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let let let's get into. Uh, my review of uh, Ori and the Blind Forest. So, yeah, like so, I, I played this game this week. I've never played it before, and probably the context here is, you know, I'm a huge Metroidvania fan. Probably my favorite game of all time, up there with like a Rocket League, is uh, Super Metroid. I love Super Metroid with passion, and Metroidvania's. I don't know. I think for me, there's some kind of maybe power complex thing. I just love how you keep building your power ups. You keep, you know, making your character stronger. You keep discovering things. You keep, you know, getting into the weeds and really, you know, unlocking things that you couldn't do before. So it just gives you such a positive sense of progression that I really, really, really enjoy. Um, and I've heard a lot about this game. Um, you know, prior, it was always an Xbox game. Didn't really seem like it was going to come to any other console. Um, and it was one of the few games where I was like, oh, you know, maybe if I can get a really cheap Xbox One S or something like that, I'd go pick it up. But, you know, alas, it, it ended up coming onto the Switch. Um, so I was close to getting it on the Switch. But now that I have and I'm trying out Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, it is a part of that subscription. 
So I thought, well, why not play it? Um, so I actually started playing it this week and got through a hundred percent of it. Um, very, very, very cool game. So like just quickly, like overall thoughts, like for me, very much a fantastic game, Ori and the blind forest. Um, I do understand the degree that people are sort of like hyping this game up, but ultimately I just feel like the game doesn't do anything new or different or exciting that necessarily warrants the level of hype about this game. And just looking at people's commentary about this game, it feels like they've almost gone the opposite, which is like, you know, people are starting to dislike this game unfairly, I would say. Um, and I think it's based on some of the hype that the game gets. Uh, Swinney, I, I, I actually didn't ask, have you, have you played through Ori before? Uh, I haven't given it a fair shake. Um, so I've only played through, let's say, the first, what you'd play through basically in an hour max. Um, yeah. I liked what I played though. Um, I The game is visually just absolutely beautiful. Um, and yeah. honestly, that's probably half the appeal and the music as well um, for people. I've heard that it gets quite challenging, which is good because it starts off pretty straightforward and easy. So it's good to know it does, you know, I think it does go uh, get get more, I guess, interesting in that sense. Um, I so in terms of what you said about you know it doesn't do anything new and stuff. Well, I think it's also important to remember the this game actually came out quite a while ago. Um, there's been a yeah, lot it, more. It was like 2014. There's been a memory. lot more entrants. Like honestly, the Metroidvania genre has actually got way more crowded than it ever was kind of around when the Castlevania Igarashi games were coming out. You know, like there's so many more of them um, from, your, you know, Hollow Knight, you know, um, The Messenger, all these kind of games. That oh, are, it's just, there's dozens yeah, um, of high quality ones as well. It, yeah, Exactly. So I think that's where, and that may not be, may not have impacted your opinion at all, but I think it's important for people no. to remember that the first Ori did come out before a lot of those titles did, so. Yeah, and I, I should say, um, when when I'm saying I don't feel like it's done much new, I'm taking it from a perspective of when it came out. So not not so much, you know, especially things like Hollow Knight, where I feel like it becomes a very unfair comparison because that game, while being a Metroidvania, does have other elements of games incorporated into the mechanics. But, you know, like, I'm very much looking at it like, a, you know, 2014 so i'm almost looking at it from a game boy castlevania level and i just think roughly it's kind of just more of the same like a shadow complex as well that came out what was that it was like 2010 or something like that ballpark um definitely before ori so and and you've definitely touched on uh some of the key points i wanted to raise so just around the art and sound design from an art and sound design perspective, like I Sorry, basically Shadow Complex was twenty nine, uh, two thousand nine, two thousand nine. Yeah, I, yeah, I was close. kind of thinking it was two thousand and seven, and then I was thinking, no, nah, that can't be two thousand and seven. But it was very early in the three hundred and sixty sort of life cycle. Such a good from game. Memory. Such a good game. Well, and, and you know, just like going on a diversion, Shadow Complex. Like I love that game. It's such a good game. And when they said that Shadow Complex wouldn't work on the PS five, I was like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> and then. It's so weird to hear everyone just saying, oh, all the games that don't work, they're shit anyway. And I'm like, no, Shadow Complex is great. You're kidding me. That's like a very, very good game. Um, Fools. Yeah, with Fools. Ori. 
Yeah, what was that? Sorry. So they're they're fools. They're fools. Oh yeah, they are fools. Um, yeah. So just on their art and sound design, I think it is the highlight of this game. Um, you know, having played through the whole thing, you know, it's the one thing that you know, stepping away from the game and just you know, even looking at the gameplay footage that I captured when I was playing it myself. You know, it's it's just such a good looking game, and it also sounds good. Like the music, the tone, it's just like executed so perfectly. Um, and I actually went and looked at some of the developers' like prototypes for the game, and initially it looks very different. Um, and you can see a lot of polish and a lot of love has gone into this game. And you know, as I said, I think that's the standout component of this game. I think. If you're a lover of Metroidvanias like I am, I think this game's well worth playing just purely for the fact that it might be the best looking Metroidvania even today, um, in today's standards. Um, <clears throat> in terms of mechanics, you know, I think whenever you're talking about a Metroidvania, you need to talk about the mechanics, the upgrades. You know, this is probably the part that I was most disappointed about because it felt very, you know, pain in by numbers, like... Yeah, and, and and in fairness, I've played so many Metroidvanias. When I play through them, even from the start, I feel like, oh, yep, yeah, I can see what's going to happen here. Oh, yep, yeah, I need the double jump here. Oh, yep. Yeah. You know, all those kind of things. And and also just like for me personally, from the start, it felt like it it hept a, like heaped a lot on you very, very quickly. And I hadn't, it wasn't really clicking at first. So personally, it felt very rough you know, within the first half hour to hour. And then from that point on, it clicked very well. Um, so it's not to say that the mechanics and the way it all worked together wasn't seamless. It was like, once you get a bit of your head around it, it just felt like that introduction wasn't as seamless as you see from like Super Metroid and, you know, the sort of gold standards in the genre. Um, on the difficulty curve. So, you know, I think you've you've touched on really like all my key um, areas that I've thought about. I think the difficulty curve on this game is fantastic. Like very much so the game at the start, you know, it's pretty straightforward and then it just starts to ramp up and then you start to die a lot more. And, you know, by the end of the game, and and one thing I wanted to say is, and I wanted to ask you as well, when you play, so I played this just, you know, on my PC with a DualShock 4 controller, because that's kind of the dedicated PC controller that I have. When you, when you hold a, a Xbox one controller, do you have two fingers on the, the, what do you call it? Like in Xbox language, bumper and trigger? Or do you have one finger, like an index finger only? One finger, 100%. Um, the only yeah. time I'll ever do it is if a game requires you to press both at the same time or anything like that. Yeah. So like that's how I play. And same as Rocket League. Like Rocket League, it's more probably advantageous to use two fingers, but I just play with one and I can get by. With this game, it gets so intense at the end that... I, my brain was just like forcing myself to, or not my brain. I just felt like I had to hold both of the buttons at the same time. So I had my index and middle fingers on there. So I had, I've never played a game like that ever literally, where I felt com- com- compelled. I'm literally holding a controller right now. Just being like, actually feels really weird to, to use your middle finger for that, the trigger. Yeah. And I felt like, and, and cause you know, also by the way, I'd probably played six to seven hours of the game just with my index fingers and then, yeah, like I was saying, because I needed to dash and do some other moves and grab on walls and do a few other things. Like, it just felt like, how am I supposed to do this if I don't 
hold both at the same time or like have the ability to press one whilst you know holding down the trigger and now i'm not sure if on the three on the xbox one maybe it's easier to press the trigger and the bumper at the same time with one finger i don't know it's definitely not possible for me with a dual shock so it's pretty i'm not it's, saying it's a bad thing it's pretty easy to do but uh, it's not gonna say it's not awkward you know yeah yeah it's yeah so for me it was not a bad thing of the game i actually love difficult games and you know it definitely ramped up i had like hundreds of deaths in the end but partly because i sometimes it's just quicker to die because you just respawn so quickly so like just the quality of life how the game plays fantastic loved it um and then just you know going to the post game and then completion a big part of any metroidvania i think is around you know getting to 100 percent I don't think there's been a Metroid game, or like, sorry, when I say Metroid, a Metroidvania that I haven't 100%ed that I've played. Like, I just kind of get into it and then I, oh, I've got to get 100%. I've just got to do this. Um, oh, you'll have fun with Hollow Knight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I've been saving that one because I reckon I really love that game. Um, uh, that, uh, yes. By all accounts, that game, um, if you do the extra content at the end, that can get really rough. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not that good of a gamer, and I even I struggle with like the final end game level for Steam World Dig Two, and that that's pretty tricky. But um, yeah. So with the with the completion and the post game, I was a little bit disappointed, and I did some research about it afterwards. I didn't know. So the definitive edition, <clears throat> you you know you finish the game, and then you know you can reboot from it's like new game plus right you you reboot from a save you haven't beaten the boss but you can go through and you know complete all the areas that you haven't completed prior i didn't know that that's new to this version the definitive edition when you played the original you would like have to go back yourself essentially like there's no like new game plus or anything like that one thing i will say is you know, normally with the Metroidvania, I like to just go through it, not collect everything like crazily and then collect it afterwards or like have another run and try to collect everything. With this game, I wasn't really focused too much on collecting everything, but I had like 90 something percent by the time I got to the end of the game. And it literally only took me 20 to 30 minutes or something to, um, to complete it a hundred percent. And it was a little bit disappointing to be honest. Cause I usually like, cause normally what happens is there are, you know, those final, you know, three to 5%, which are just so hard to do in these type type of games, but it was extremely straightforward to, so, to complete so it a hundred percent. I've got a question. Yeah. Is this game less a Metroidvania at its core and more a platformer? No, nah, it's a Metroidvania. Definitely because if you think about it, a lot of Metroidvanias don't have super tough platforming challenges. The challenge is more so in the exploration and everything. Whereas Ori yeah. seems like it's, and this is coming from, you know, just completely about what we're talking about, not my own personal experience. Like it's, so it's definitely not more of a platformer that just happens to be structured like a Metroidvania, if that makes sense. Nah, nah, no, nah, nah. Like, yeah. yeah. No, it's definitely it's 100% of Metroidvania. Okay, I mean, okay. to the point where they're paying homage to Metroid, the original Metroid, okay, okay. in certain areas where it's like, you know, I looked at it, I'm like, oh, this is literally the map for one of the caverns in Metroid, the first Metroid. Um, 
you know, so it's definitely a Metroidvania. Like, that's the first genre I'd put okay, in there. Okay. Yeah, it's a heavy platformer, like more of a platformer than a lot of Metroid Metroidvanias that I've played. Um, and, you know, again, context, I'm not the greatest gamer, so probably people are thinking, oh, this is easy, actually. Um, and the last one before I get to, like, where I rank this is just um, around... Uh, oh, I lost my train of thought. So the post-game completion... Oh, the story... So the story of this game did not grip me at all. And I'd imagine that some people would like the story of this game. It just felt very like, I could, I don't know. It just felt like it was very predictable. It was well presented. It just wasn't engaging at all for me. Like, I think I've got it. And I won't uh, give any spoilers, but yeah. I, I'm getting the feeling, I've got a direct comparison to how I feel about another game that, it's kind of like, I think, the way that you feel about this game. So when you get to your ranking, I'll kind of bring it up there. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think, like, I'm about at that stage. So, again, like, we don't, well, like, you know, whether we stick to this format, but I think it's better, you know, rather than just giving it a number ranking, actually just putting it, plotting it, and kind of going, hey, where does this fit in the universe? Um, so what I've done is I've actually, like... um you know, got a, a what's it called? A, a spectrum. <laughs> and you can't see this. A, met- a Metroidvania spectrum. After. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a Metroidvania spectrum. So again, just like we did with the 2D platformers, I've got like bad average and gold standard. And <laughs> it's actually really hard to find, like to think of the bad ones. Um, so again, like it's essentially, is it a good game or a bad game? It's definitely a good game. And on the bad spectrum, I've put, uh, <laughs> as a joke, Wonder Boy Asher in Monster <laughs> World. Oh man! Um, and controversially, I think to some people, I've actually put Metroid as the standard average game Met- uh, in the Metroid. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Honestly, yeah, I don't think it's that great of a game, yeah. and I think it's almost a bad game. Now, right? here's, here's here's the question: What's what's the top? Oh, well, it's Super Metroid. Okay, all right. I Gold would have standard. accepted think- that or Symphony of the Night, even the two. Yeah, so Symphony of the Night is the background of the whole graphic <laughs> for good. Bring, so the, vania, bring the Vania in. Yeah, I've got, but I think, like, if you're going to, and, you know, people are going to attack this, but to me, Super Metroid set the standard, really. And then I think Castlevania, for some people, exceeded it, some people didn't, but I don't think it necessarily changed the whole genre or anything like that. So in terms of where I rank this game, like, it's... You know, like, even some of the Metroidvanias that we mentioned, like, to me, I rank them below, like, Ori below. Like, I'd put this below Shadow Complex, you know, pretty much all the ones that we've mentioned. I think, like, on the whole scale, like, if you're just visualizing it, it's probably around two-thirds the way from average to gold standard. It does a lot of things really great, and as I said, it's probably one of the best-looking Metroidvanias that I've seen, but unfortunately for me... It it just doesn't like do anything that's like blowing my mind or like even in the context of 2014 when it came out, um, it's just what I would say is just such a well executed Metroidvania, and you know if you've played through a lot of them or you want to have one that has a very like high, you know art style sense, then yeah definitely play it. It's well worth playing it. It's it's very fun and like you know I picked it up on Tuesday and I think I hundred percented it by like Thursday. 
So, I mean, that does tell you that I enjoyed the game. It's not I didn't didn't like it. It's just, yeah, for me, it doesn't hit those highs as some of the other genre standards do. Um, but it's, yeah, very, very good game. Very enjoyable. So, the game that I was thinking about that I com- is a comparison for me, um, completely different genre, is uh, Child of Light. So, Child of Light had a lot of buzz around it. Um and it, a lot of people love that game. So I don't know if you know much about it, but Child of Light is an Ubisoft um, kind of like turn-based, uh, very t- uh, 2D kind of, you know, nice art style RPG. And that game did really nothing for me. Like it's technically proficient. Mm. Like it play, like there's parts of it that play really well. I didn't really like Battle System that much, but it played well. Like there's so much it did well, but it just didn't do it anything for me but a lot of people loved it and they're like oh child of light is this classic and blah 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 so the way you're talking about ori kind of reminds me of that it's like it just didn't grip you you know you you mm. understand that it's actually a good game but it just uh, doesn't do anything for you yeah yeah Especially, just like, looking through it about now it does seem like that it does seem like that where people even if i'm looking because i always go to the steam reviews i find them to be probably the best ones and you know always number one thing people talk about child of light is how it looks and that's very much like ori yeah like people always start with it looks amazing and it does right it's just you know if you strip away super metroid's looks and you know like ori's looks and all these other kind of things like super metroid has clever things in it and i'm not saying ori has nothing it's just you know there's parts of super metroid and those type of standard games where you feel like you're in a conversation with the developer, like, and they're, they're trying to trick you or make you do things or think things. And you're like, Oh damn, I didn't think of that. That's like clever how they've done this, mm. you know? And I never had any of those moments with Ori. Like I just had a really good time, really well executed. And sometimes you just want more of that genre. And I'm very much like that with uh, Metroidvanias. Like have you, I could play so many of them. Have you ever tried uh, the mummy remastered? No, I've heard that's also a bit overrated. <laughs> so, but I do want to play that. I, as well. I think it's really cool. Um, I haven't played through the whole thing, but um, it's I I I don't think it's overrated in the sense that like nobody expected that game to be good at all, and that's why people were talking about it because it's like, like, yeah, they made a game based on that apparently horrible Tom Cruise mummy film. <laughs> that's so forgotten, by the way. Yeah, it's a two D. Mishravania by way forward, you're like what? No, <laughs> mummy remastered, like oh, it's not remastered. It's uh, re. What's it called? The... I think that's what it's called. Mummy remastered, isn't it? Is it remastered? Huh. I thought it was. The, the term remastered. I'm just checking. So used for different things these days. Oh no no no! Uh, sorry, the mummy demastered. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's mad. So I'm like, oh man, that is such the. It's just the weirdest thing licensed game probably released you know in a long time uh anyway yeah i really want to play that game actually yeah yeah so look as i said with ori overall you know it's definitely at the threshold where you know if you love metroidvanias you'll really enjoy it i just you know for me i would be really surprised if someone said this is my favorite metroidvania of all time you know and i think that kind of says a lot about the game cool cool awesome well um that's it for this bumper show. It reminds me of the old days where we had like so many topics. I was like flying through them the all. Old, um, three and a half months ago. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it does feel like the old days, though. Uh, you know, if you've made it past uh, this <laughs> this far into the podcast, uh, make sure you help us out and uh, jump on your favorite podcast service of choice and give us a five-star review. Um, and, and with that, I'll say bye-bye. Ciao for now.